0: I'd like to call the regular meeting of the City Council Public Finance Authority to order. Uh, City Clerk, please call the roll.
1: Council Member Kalmick. Here. Mosher. Here. Vandermark. Here. Strickland. Here. McKeon. Here. Bolton. Here. Burns. Here. All present.
0: Thank you. Uh, City Council Member comments. Would any Council Member like to make a comment?
1: I will. Go ahead.
2: No, I went to uh, this weekend, the International Surfing Association's opening day of uh their para surfing event very inspirational. The mayor opened the ceremony and it was i was it was awesome. just want to give them a shout out and I think it goes for tomorrow tomorrow's the last day isn't it whole The whole, the week. Week? The whole oh, week okay good
0: councillor
3: thank you um just really briefly, I wanted to um, acknowledge uh two great women. In the city of Huntington Beach, who passed over the last few weeks. The first was uh, Diane Dwyer, um, who was a real gem of the city, Uh, just a truly dynamic woman, though uh, her size, you wouldn't know it. (laughs) She was maybe five feet tall, um, but she was everywhere. She was always committed to doing the good work in our community and making us better. Um, She had a smile. Um, everywhere she went, and um, the work that she did with the Assistance League um, was incredible. She was a great leader, and um, she will be missed and wanted to give our regards and condolences to her friends and her family. Also, um, another great woman who um, I was close with, actually, um, was Jan Tyler. She um, was actually on the Human Relations Task Force, which is where I met her, Um, But she and her husband have made great contributions to this community through many, many years. Um, She actually dedicated most of her life to working with women and children, opening a battered women's shelter in Chicago and in Laguna Beach. And then later she retired but spent the past several years volunteering at the library and, again, on the Human Relations Task Force. Um, She has many children, along with her husband, Charles, who's a wonderful man, too, um, and their grandchildren, and I wanted to offer them um, my appreciation for her life and also our condolences. Thank you.
0: Mayor, please, go ahead. you.
3: So I'd like to
4: acknowledge November as Native American Heritage Month, celebration of the achievements and contributions of this land's indigenous people and tribal nations um, started around the beginning of the 20th century and culminated with the first presidential declaration um, of the celebration Uh, Then it was called National American Indian Heritage Month in 1999 by George H.W. Bush. Organizations uh, sometimes start their meetings with what's called a land acknowledgement. A land acknowledgement is a formal statement that recognizes and uh, respects indigenous peoples as traditional stewards of the land. Um, and their enduring relationship that exists um, with the land. So um, I was at an event at UCI a couple of weeks ago, and they started um, the event with a land acknowledgement, and so that, that inspired me to offer one for this evening. And so it goes as follows. Orange County is located on the homelands of the Juaninho Band of Mission Indians who continue to claim their place and act as stewards of their ancestral lands as they have for thousands of years. I encourage everyone to learn about the history of this land and, and its indigenous people. There are many resources online and you can also visit sites like the um, Putuaydom Village, I hope I pronounced that correctly. It is a park in San Juan Capistrano uh, where the Juan, Juan Neno people honor their ancestors, practice rituals, and educate the public. Thank you.
0: Councilman McKean.
5: As Pat touched on, I wanted to promote the, the World Para Serving Championships this week. Uh, in the city which gathers over 180 adaptive surfers from 27 national teams to compete in various assist and non-assist divisions. And my family and I had dinner on Saturday night at the Spaghetti Bender and adjacent to us was the team from France and it was great to hear from them how excited they were to be in Huntington Beach this week and hear how much they love our city. And then I also wanna <clears throat> congratulate HB Zone Ian Kennedy on winning the World Series as part of the Texas Rangers pitching staff and this is his retirement year, so he's riding off into the sunset of champions. So congratulations, Ian.
0: Well, I'd like to echo uh, the people who talked about the paris Surfing Championships. It was a very emotional event. It was amazing that, um, I always say, sports does bring people together. And the fact that uh, we had 27 countries where each country actually had a piece of their sand from their native country and they all put it together as one. I thought that was a remarkable event, and I was honored to be mayor and be a part of it. Um, and I'm honored that Huntington Beach is hun- uh, hosting all these uh, magnificent countries that are coming together to compete. And everybody, all those participants, almost 200 athletes, they're all champions. And I'm and, um, just honored that Huntington Beach gets to host a, a event like this, and hopefully we host a lot more in the future. So with that, um, I would like to move on to uh, the city clerk. Do we have any supplemental communications at this time?
1: We received one communication. It was an email regarding the performance evaluation of the city manager for closed session item five. That's it.
0: Okay. Uh, city clerk. Do we have anyone signed up to speak at this time?
1: We do. Believe it or not, for okay. closed session, we have three individuals. Please come down to both podiums. Shirley Detloff, Ken Inoway, and Pat Goodman.
0: So at this time, the city council will receive comments from the members of the public on items on the closed session agenda. Individuals wishing to provide a comment on items uh, may also uh, do so in person by filling out a request to speak form delivered to the city clerk. All speakers are encouraged but not required to identify themselves by name. Each speaker may have up to three minutes unless the volume of speakers warrants reducing the time allowance. Please note that the Brown Act does not uh, allow discussion or action on topics that are not on the agenda. Members of the public who would like to speak directly with a council member on an item not on the agenda may consider scheduling an appointment by contacting the city council's administrative assistant at 714-536-5553 or emailing the entire city council at city.council at surfcity-hb.org. Thank you for being here. Uh, Please open our meeting.
6: Good evening, Mayor Strickland and members of the council. I'm here tonight because of the many rumors and concerns I've been hearing regarding an action you may be taking tonight. After reading the agenda, many who contacted me felt that the city manager, Al may be in danger of losing his position. They have said to me that he had recently been reviewed, so I'm here tonight To hope that they have been misinformed and that you have no intention of losing someone who has worked on behalf of the city under very difficult circumstances. When I and others have met with him, he has always been very circumspect and professional and always made sure that it was the city that was the most important and not individuals or himself. He has done a very professional job and has always put the city first. Hopefully you will only be discussing his review and soon will make that a public document. But if you move forward and we lose him, you will be held responsible to tell us all of the reasons why. Don't come back with some silly story that he's resigning on his own. We want the truth, something that isn't always a part of what the public hears. In ending, I can't believe that we have already lost five of our very professional department heads. What has this city become? I don't know how we're functioning. And I hope that you will, if you are going to move on, losing a wonderful person and a wonderful city manager I think will have many regrets and of all of the editorials that we have been receiving as a city that have not been positive I hope you'll take that into account when you're making this decision because we will be losing someone very important to this city and our reputation will be damaged even further thank you for your time
0: Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being
7: here. Mayor Strickland, City Council members, Pat Goodman from Huntington Beach, of course. I uh, came here to express my concern about the closed session items four and five. I believe the city manager, manager went through his annual review in July and that all indications were and are that he would continue on in his position. He was respected and um, appreciated. I believe that uh, Mr. Zelinka is an excellent city manager for our city, for our Huntington Beach. He demonstrates great knowledge about the many issues our aging city is going through now, both in demographics and infrastructure. He is very responsive to citizen inquiries during his short tenure and seems to fit right in with the level of professionalism and care our city staff is known and the residents have come to expect. If Mr. Zelinka is going to be terminated, I hope that the mayor and council will give a full explanation for the reasons. I think we all deserve that, um, including Mr. Zelinka. This is important to the residents to know this, especially given the large turnover of execu- executive management for the last 11 months. I hope that you will be straight with the people of Huntington Beach on this matter and not gloss over it.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Thanks for being here.
8: Good afternoon, honorable mayor and city council members. My name is Kenny Nowy. I'm a 51-year resident of Huntington Beach. Since items number four and five on the closed agenda didn't have the benefit of any detailed documentation, I'd like to make the following comments with respect to the Huntington Beach City Manager, specifically the excellent work and trustworthiness of our city manager, Alzalinka. During the time that I had the privilege of working with him, I have observed the following. Mr. Zelinka is an excellent city manager who made every effort to operate a city where all of the residents and all the staff could feel proud of where they lived and worked. Mr. Zelinka's ability to manage the operations of Huntington Beach, even during the most challenging times, is a tribute to the effectiveness and his character of Mr. Zelinka. Mr. Elizabeth Zelinka is one of the most honorable and trustworthy persons that I've ever had the honor of work, to work with. And for all of these reasons and for more reasons, I would publicly acknowledge the work, the work ethic, and the honesty of Mr. Zelinka. I thank him for his service, and I hope he will continue to serve all of the people of Huntington Beach in the honorable way that he has in the past, thank you.
0: Thank you,
1: Mayor. I, I failed to announce that Mr. Selinka did provide a communication to all City Council that he would not be in attendance tonight due to an outstanding obligation. And so, per Charter Section four hundred, he did provide notification.
0: Perfect. Thank you, Madam Clerk. So um, now that we're uh, done with the speakers um uh, let's uh i'm looking for a motion to go to closed session motion. been moved been seconded Second. without objection so on uh, this announcement uh, conference with labor negotiators government code section 54957.6 agency designated representatives Traf- travis hopkins assistant city manager Me- melanie cheney chief negotiator also in attendance Jose Rodriguez, Human Resources Manager, Teresa St. Peter, Interim Director of Human Resources, Michael E. Gates, City Attorney, Scott Haberly, Fire Chief, Sonny Hahn, Chief Financial Officer, Employee Organizations, the Huntington Beach Firefighters Association, and the Fire Management Association. We're moved to closed session.
1: Councilmember Member Kalmick? Here. Mosher? Here. Vandermark? Here. Strickland? Here. McKeon? Here. Bolton? Here. Burns? Here. All present.
0: Today, the Pledge of Allegiance will be led by Councilman Casey McKeon. Please rise if able.
1: Ready, begin.
0: Today, the invocation will be led by Rabbi Shruli Zavdi, Shabbat, Huntington Beach Synagogue. Thank you for being here, Rabbi.
9: Thank you, Honorable Mayor, Council Members, and great people from Huntington Beach. Just exactly one month ago that um, the world has seen some of the darkest scenes that have happened to our people. And um, as the mayor called me just a couple of days ago, I was telling him how the impact of that is the terror that creeps into our hearts and the primal desire to just want to isolate and close in. Um, I'm happy to say that some of my neighbors where I live, we've had uh, flowers come to our Chabad from people that we don't know. the people of Huntington Beach have made sure to show up and made sure that in those moments when we feel, sometimes like, you know, every person to their own, that it's not each person to their own. We're all here for each other, and we all stand strong together. We are told that um, there are seven universal laws that I'd like to just go through briefly that uh, guide a good society. It's called the seven Noahide laws. Um, The first one is the belief in God and know that God cares, not to curse God, to understand the value and the sanctity of the life of every single person, not to murder, not to be cruel to animals, not to steal, to champion family and the principles of modesty, and Lastly, to establish a system of justice. And as I'm here in this civic center, and by everybody here coming together, making sure that the city is run in a, the best possible way, in a just way, and that everybody's able to live here and thrive. God gives every single person capacity to do good. And sometimes, yes, the choices hours, whether we're going to use that and how much we're going to use that, but ultimately it's a gift of time and energy and how much we're willing to be courageous in moments when maybe it doesn't feel like it or I'd rather not say. I've had people come over to me in Trader Joe's and just whisper to me words of support and I'm thinking they could have easily just gone on and bought their eggs and, you know, should I say something, not say something? But every time we choose to step out of our comfort zone and reach out to somebody else, we're really making the world an unbelievable, great place. I want to bless everybody here and the council members that um, God should give you guys good counsel and uh, clarity, robust, healthy debate. Nobody has all the answers. And together with the city, may it thrive. May it be a great light. May God bless you all. May God bless America. Thank you.
0: Thank you Rabbi. Rabbi. Closed session report by city attorney. Do you have anything to report?
5: Thank you mayor, nothing tonight.
0: City clerk, do we have any supplemental communications?
1: Yes, mayor. We do. For consent calendar item eight, a memo from myself regarding two proposed corrections to the October 17 regular meeting minutes. For number nine, also a memo from myself, I provided an update to the um, Citizen Board Commission Committee and Regional Agencies report. For item 11, an email was received regarding the Cal Optima Health. Street medicine program for item 13, four email communications regarding execution of a memorandum of understanding between the city and the Huntington Beach Chamber of Commerce. For item 24, email communication regarding the proposed adoption of resolution 23-58, authorizing grant funds from the State Department of Parks and Recreation through Habitat Conservation Fund program to restore and realign portions of the existing trail at Shipley Nature Center. We received several um, uh, communications for public hearing item number six. I won't be announcing those, but they will be contained as part of the record as it continues its journey until the hearing is heard.
0: You mean 26?
1: Yes, 26. And then for um, administrative item number 27, um, we received an email communication from Hayden Beckman, our senior planner, regarding request to continue appeal of the planning commission's denial of administrative permit number 22-015. That's the legacy living, sober living accommodations. Uh, You'll make that announcement, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And also for ordinances for introduction, I received a memo from our police captain, Bo Svensbo, requesting to withdraw item number 28, which was ordinance 4303 relating to parking and time limits. They have some additional um, corrections to that ordinance they'd like to make, so it's not ready for tonight. So it'll be withdrawn.
0: Perfect, thank you. Uh, At this time, I'd like to make an announcement to the members, members, item number 26. The applicant has requested to continue uh, the Bolsa Chica Senior Living Project public hearing in order to hold more public outreach, uh, providing information on the project. The project will be re-noticed in the future. Public comments tonight will not be made a part of the record. All speakers are encouraged to return at a future date on this item. Um, I will move, I understand that we have to uh, firmly as a council move to be able to uh, do the continuance. so I move that we do that to another date.
10: Date. Are we gonna move it to a date certain or another date?
0: Uh, I, believe, I, I believe the applicant hasn't said a date certain, so okay. I think the applicant okay. said that they wanted to Continue. just do the town halls. Continue it indefinitely. So, it's been moved, it's been seconded, clerk called the roll.
1: To a date uncertain, right. and I just wanna remind everyone who sent in emails, all of your hard work will not <laughs> be forgotten. It's going to remain in the record and will follow until that hearing is held. And for those of you that signed up to speak for public hearing, you're welcome to come up during the public comments portion of tonight's meeting and make comments while you're here. It's up to you. All right, go ahead and I'm going to call the roll. Councilmember Kalman, aye. Mosier, aye. Vandermark, yes. Strickland, aye. McKeon, yes. Bolton, aye. Burns, aye. The item passes. Thank you. Seven zero.
0: Thank you. Uh, City Clerk, do we have anybody signed up to speak?
1: Yes, right now we have about 30 people signed up to speak. I'm gonna call in groups of 10. And again, if you're on a green sheet, um, we have your name and and the record, so um, feel free. If I don't call your name in a group, just come down and, and provide your comments, you're welcome. The first group, Andrew Einhorn, Buzz McCord, Nora Peterson, Ann Palmer, Carol Dawes, Butch Twining, Carrie Swan, Luann Nichols Shoup, Eric Peterson, Shammy Dingus. Come on up to both podiums.
0: Okay, at this time the City Council will receive comments from members of the public regarding any topic including items on the open session agenda. Individuals wishing to provide a comment may do so in person by filling out a request to speak form delivered to the city council. All speakers are encouraged but not required to identify themselves by name. Each speaker may have up to three minutes unless the volume of speakers warrants the reduction reduction of time allowance. Please note that the Brown Act does not allow discussion or action on topics that are not on the agenda. Members of the public who would like to speak directly with a council member on an item not on the agenda may consider scheduling an appointment by contacting the city council's administrative assistant at 714-536-5553 or emailing the entire city council at city.council at surfcity-hb.org thank you for being here
11: andy einhorn huntington beach i've learned some vital leadership skills that i'd like to share with the council but first i want to support item number 11 on the agenda Suggest that the city applies for the grant for the homeless project. My background includes a degree in organizational management. As a former business owner of 30 years experience with 20 employees and a payroll every other week, I was able to retain employees for many years, some for decades, something that this majority has failed to emulate. The majority's partisan and personal extremism policies have overridden effective leadership and failed to listen to voters, placing our city into further legal and financial exposure. This reflects a lack of leadership at the top, assisted by three wingnuts. Next slide, please. Your views on voting, housing, library books, flags, science, mass vaccines, renewable energy, human dignity had zero common ground and was rejected by numerous people during public hearings here and in writing. Next slide, please. In baseball terms, your uninformed changes to the city represent a complete whiff. I use a SWOT analysis in my business decisions. I recommend its usage to the City Council's majority. I realize that based on the majority, my recommendations will not be implemented. However, I struggle to grasp your decisions rooted in irrational policies that disenfranchise this community, which include, number one, dissolving all ad hoc committees including those with highly qualified experts in the field, raises concerns about your know-it-all attitude. Their insights would have enriched your decision-making judgments. Number two, next slide please. You're asking for a 21-person committee on library books. Instead of a four to three vote, you can now have a 12 to nine vote. Do you think we are stupid? The majority's governance has set the leadership bar very low. Next slide, please. Your decisions and judgments will lead to additional litigation and significant taxpayer expense. Next slide, please. Make no mistake about it. We will challenge your disconnected MAGA views at every step of the way as tom Petty's song goes we will not back down vote no on all charter amendments
12: thank you
0: next
11: speaker thanks for being here
0: next speaker thanks for being here
13: uh, i'd like to readdress the library issue uh, first slide That seems like a clear message, and that's been a library policy for as long as I can remember. Next slide, please. No wonder a recent poll found that citizens here think the library was one of the city's best features. By the way, that poll was taken before Gracie's tenure. We accompanied our kids on every trip to the library until they could fly on their own, which they now do spectacularly well, like thousands and thousands of other Huntington Beach kids before you all started here. Tony said something at the mayor's town hall July 26, when asked about Gracie's book banning. Quote, a lot of parents said that they used to just drop off their child right in front of the library. Next slide. Somehow I didn't know about that service when I was raising children. Next slide. Tony went on to say, I quote, and they said they're not going to do that anymore they're going to walk in and make sure that the books they look at are appropriate. Mission accomplished. We don't need the expensive, inevitable First Amendment lawsuits brought on by the Committee of Censors. Besides, the vast majority of people out here like being good parents. We don't need big government telling us how to raise our kids. People have been LGBTQ since way before our time, even before Gracie and even me, and in places where there are no Democrats, China, Japan, Europe, Russia, and even Israel. The LGBTQ community is part of the human family. In this city, a lot of youth identify as LGBTQ. On June 20, Gracie showed a special antipathy toward books written for people in that community. The newly commissioned Huntington Beach Committee of Censors will be blocking those books for our library that's tribal government, and that's book banning. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here.
14: Hi. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hi, my name is Shammy D. I've lived in Huntington Beach for 30-odd years. I'd like, tonight, I'd like to talk about voter ID, voter suppression, and election fraud. The council simply hasn't told us about how they plan to run their new local elections. First, there's cost. The official resolution simply says this measure will increase the city's election-related costs in an amount that cannot be precisely determined at this time. That's ridiculous. You don't put an item on the ballot without knowing what it will likely cost. To know what it will cost, we just need the council to reveal how they plan to run the elections. For example, will they mail ballots to every registered voter in HB? If they are, why bother with voter ID at the polls? If they don't offer vote by mail, a lot of people won't be able to vote. Printing and mailing election materials to 133,000 registered voters is a huge part of the equation. We need to know about plans for vote by mail. It's not hard to do the estimate once you decide what the plan is. We're talking about something that could cost $5 million. We need a good estimate of cost before we can vote. Without one, we have to vote no. And then there's voter suppression. The city has now officially stated that polls will only be open for one day, from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m., on the last day of the general election. That will leave out many shift workers, people with long commutes, or family obligations. Will voters be forced to go to two polls in the same day, one to vote for president and another one to vote for HB? What about people who happen to be out of town? Finally, election security. Verification of identity is done much better by computers than humans. There are lots of reasons. People tend to get sloppy when they're rushed. Computers are very good at doing the same thing over and over and over again. Computers can read the hidden information on the back of a driver's license and compare it to the front. Computers use biometric data to match photos. Humans are easily confused by the lighting, hair, and skin tone. And there's the tracking and counting of votes. I doubt very much that a city-run election run by novices could compete with the top-rated ballot tracking and auditing that the OC registrar has. Remember, banks cash checks for millions of dollars every day with nothing but a signature and computers. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Councilmember, thanks for being here.
15: Thank you. Uh, Name's Eric Peterson, and you already continued 26. That's what I was here to talk about. But I'm all dressed up, so I might as well, you know, speak. Um, 26, I will be back. I hope everyone here stays in tune with it and goes to those community meetings. it's a very large project. I'm, I'm not for, but maybe you'll have some influence in those meetings. So please attend those meetings. Please write. Um, other than that, I'll save any comments for when it comes to a hearing. But uh, everyone remember that uh, Veterans Day is coming up. And for me, more importantly, Marine Corps birthday is the 10th. So for all the Marines out there, simplify. Thank you. Council. Thanks for being
0: here, Councilman. Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here.
16: Good evening, Uh, my name is Carrie Swan, and I came here to speak in opposition to Agenda Item 26. I'm glad they pulled it, but it's coming back, so I'm going to go forward with my comments. I did send an email with my reasons explaining my opposition, but what I really came here tonight to do was to focus on promises made, promises kept. It's no surprise that I've been at this podium for a decade, speaking out against high-density development, preserving our suburban beach community, and our quality of life. Six of you sitting on the dais all promised this community in your campaign material that you would oppose high-density. Why would you make that promise? We all want public safety. We want good roads, good quality roads. But the reason you made that promise is because that it's no secret that high-density has been a hot-button issue in this city for 10 years. We all live with a painful reminder every time we drive past the horrific Elon on Beach and Ellis, or when driving down Edinger and Gothard. And that's really sad, because these are massive, permanent reminders of bad politicians, and bad decisions, and we can't change those things. We can elect new people into office to change policy, but we can't remove those fixtures. They are permanent. I still see the the faces of Carchio, Bohr, Hanson, and Dwyer on Mount Rushmore every time I look at the Elon. They are immortalized in that POS. Anyway, this very topic propelled the recall effort and then rolled right into the election of 2022. And goodness knows, I invested a lot of time in both. As a volunteer, not a paid hack, and literally hundreds of other folks across the city worked so hard and so many hours, standing in solidarity with the four council candidates to stop any more painful reminders and yes, releasing the city attorney to fight the state was huge, but no one, especially me, in their wildest dreams, thought we would be here begging the four new council members to honor their promise. Promise it to the community. This should be a done deal. I pray when this comes back that you will all honor your promises, do the right thing, and let's hope that we don't need a new Mount Rushmore image with new faces of any council members who would betray our community and allow this monstrosity to
0: happen. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Next speaker.
17: Good evening. Anaheim and La Habra City Councils are distancing themselves from the Chamber of Commerce as they fight corruption in their cities. Huntington Beach City Council members are looking to establish a new relationship with the city of the Chamber of Commerce, offering more than $10,000 worth of city resources to the group that advocates for the business community. This new deal costs $2,500 a year for executive membership and waives $10,000 in fees due to the city for seven events hosted at city facilities every year. The chamber will host the mayor's annual State of the City Address this year and charge $45 per Huntington Beach resident to attend and hear their own mayor speak. Newport Beach, in contrast, offers the same event without cost to attendees. Why are we subsidizing the Chamber of Commerce? As a 37-year resident of Huntington Beach, I was caught off guard by the lack of thought and poor financial decision-making by our four city-majority members. Already, we have a budget shortfall. The city council majority is attracting lawsuits, lawsuits that we will clearly lose, banning books, curtailing voter rights, driving away our top city employees, promoting known hate groups like Proud Boys, Huntington Beach Patriots, Moms for Liberty, standing against human dignity, Discriminating against the LGBTQ community, reneging on the city charter that you promised to protect. This will drive away tourists and destroy our city's reputation for years to come. Who knows how we can ever recover from the financial hardship you four are bringing on to our city? Thank you.
0: Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here.
18: Good evening. I'm Carol Dawes. Last week, I sent an email to the City Council inquiring the status of the book relocation program at our library. Since people know me as a volunteer of our amazing library, they've been asking me many questions, and quite frankly, I don't know how to answer them. Have books been relocated? Who is determining what books should be relocated? When will the review committee be established? What is the requirement for their background? Will they read complete novels from the teen section or just portions? When I've asked librarians, they don't seem to have the answers, so I'm asking you. When will you be providing this information? Interestingly, after the four of you voted to make drastic changes to our library collection policies, Newport Beach Public Library had a few residents approach their city council about similar concerns. But unlike your ill-conceived resolution passed on October 17th, the Newport Beach City Council, with the help of their board of library trustees, updated their collection policies in a rational, professional manner. This is from their revised patron rights statement, which was passed on October 19th. The Newport Beach Library believes that the use of library materials is an individual and private matter, Parents and caregivers have the primary responsibility to guide and direct the use of library materials by the minor children under their care and supervision. Then it goes on to say, materials are selected based on their content as a whole, not on selected excerpts. The city of Newport Beach recognizes that a public library is not a childcare facility or a movie theater, as some of you have tried to describe it as such. They are public spaces built on the principle of intellectual freedom, and they welcome people of all ages and backgrounds with various points of view. If a parent doesn't want their child to read a certain book in a public library, then that parent or guardian bears the responsibility to talk to their child about that. But don't make it impossible for other parents' children to read that book. That's clearly unconstitutional. Regarding the senior complex, I know it's not on the agenda, But I would urge you to carefully consider this housing solution for our seniors. When I moved my mother here from St. Louis 10 years ago, we couldn't find an assisted living place for her in Huntington Beach without a very long waiting list. More recently, Huntington Beach friends of mine have had to move their elderly parents to facilities in Irvine and South Orange County, which makes visiting them very challenging. I live near the busy Brookhurst corridor with four grocery stores, Target, and a soon to be open Shake Shack. 10 seconds. I'd much rather have a couple of quiet senior homes in those, those spaces. Thank,
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here.
19: Good evening. My name is Luann Shoup. I am a fourth generation property owner and taxpayer of Huntington Beach. I'm here to oppose item 26. I would like to remind you all that six of you campaigned on the promise to stop high density development. Two of you, Natalie Moser and Dan Kalmak, went rogue on us shortly after you came into office. Gracie, Tony, Casey, and Pat. A large group of us donated our most valued commodity in 2022, and that was our time. And at my age, I don't have that much time left. We went door to door for you. We had several meet and greets in our homes for you. Those were good times. Again, you campaigned against high-density development. And you know, about four or five months ago, when we had the press release for the air show, Tony handed me this sticker. And on the bottom of the sticker, it has promises made, promises kept. We're going to hold you to it. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here.
20: Hi, Ann Palmer, 30-plus-year resident and an alumni of anti-HDD in this community for about a decade now. Um, First of all, Your anti-HDD campaign promise, every one of you there except the appointed member, campaigned and was elected arguably on anti-HDD. So where's your integrity? This project fails to meet approved HB general plan if you go to number two. Uh, It uh, failed to meet the general plan, so a specific plan overlay was made. That's ridiculous. Many of us thought the general plan was too generous in development, and having a specific plan overlay makes no sense. Keep to the general plan. It was disingenuous on number three. Disingenuous justification. We heard that it was a complaint that there were homeless there. Either this community has a successful homeless mitigation plan, which that's what we hear, or there are properties that need to be demolished because there are homeless people there. You can't have it both ways, which is it? It's way too dense. At 70 dwelling units per acre, it's about three times the desired density. This is egregious and ludicrous pack and stack. The building height is at least two stories too high. We were told that nothing would be built over three three stories in that area. This looks to be five and six stories and it's got rooftop living on top. So that's just too much for this location where most of the dwellings are one and two stories. How do you spell inconsistent? There are very few setbacks that I could see on this project. So the building comes right out to the street, which makes it a behemoth and really, really ugly. The ingress and egress are a big problem, especially for emergency vehicles and the amount of staff that's going to be coming and going in this type of facility. Also, the complex traffic in that area will be a problem, so I don't know what the answer to that is, but I think there's too much stuff going on there. Um, And number eight, this is the bonus. I think I sent you all a note saying I've got a nice bonus for you. I'm not going to get into that tonight, but what that is is research that's been done on what elderly need. What people need in senior living is open space, green space, natural surroundings. They want good environments, they want comprehensible uh, facilities, and they want living space. This project takes away all of that, and yet it's called elite. Stop spending grandpa's elite money on something that is a prison. Thank you.
12: Thank you,
21: next speaker. Thanks for being here. Good evening, Mayor, City Council, City Attorney, and City Manager. My name is Butch Twining. I'm a 58-year resident of Huntington Beach and currently serving on the Planning Commission. I'm here tonight to speak on agenda item number 26, the Bolsa Chica Senior Living Project. I was one of the six votes this past August to approve this project. My vote My vote was at least partially based on the need for HB to serve their aging population. 25% of our population in Huntington Beach is age 60 and over. One of my considerations was that many senior HB residents would consider this facility as an option to retire at, but also a place to place their aging parents of residents so they can move to and be closer to their kids and grandkids. I experienced this exact thing a couple decades ago uh, when my parents were looking to retire uh, into senior living and we had to move them to Carlsbad. There just wasn't anything in Huntington Beach. Also, playing into my initial vote was that the project had certain economic advantages uh, to the city of Huntington Beach, uh, including jobs uh, and increased property tax base. So, in my mind, back in August, the project wasn't a typical high density multifamily residential type facility that that offers jobs and, 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 and potentially increased tax bases. I was wrong thinking this. I'll say that again. I was wrong thinking this. And I was quickly reminded by dozens and dozens and dozens of residents that I was wrong. I thought this was a good project without talking to the constituency. My bad. That was not good. What I learned on my listening tour the last three weeks was that there there was, again, no objections to a senior living facility. It was just the size. As I stand here tonight, I wish to say I made a mistake, and I regret that, and I'm sorry. I'd like to blame this mistake in part of my personal experiences, but that doesn't override the, the experiences and the needs and wants of the constituency. I should have gone to the constituency like I did the last three weeks. And I maybe let my, my emotions that I went through when I was a kid growing, I mean, when I, my parents you know, were look, looking to, to, to retire and move into something like that, I didn't. I have a ton of respect for the development team and I'm, I'm glad that this got tabled and I hope that you guys do your, your town halls and, Ten you find, and you find a solution to this project. It just can't be that big at Bolsa, Chica & Warner. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Madam Clerk, the next 10.
1: The next 10, please approach both podiums. Kathy Ryder, Russ Neal, Ken Inouye, Pat Goodman, Guest PJ, Rick Brown, Neil, Kathleen Mooney, Christine Pedeschi.
7: Good evening. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Um, Mayor Strickland, City Council members, Pat Goodman from Huntington Beach, and uh, just real quick, uh, support agenda item 11. I think it's a smart move by the city to protect the health and well-being of our residents and people who visit and work in Huntington Beach, so vote yes on 11. Agenda item 13 I think needs further study about the Chamber of Commerce. Um, And you know, it's a great idea, and I understand that a lot of what's in the agreement already is happening. However, <laughs> as a volunteer and um, on different boards and um, uh, organizations, uh, I don't think there'd be one nonprofit that would turn that deal away. And so I would just ask you to consider. Uh, the other nonprofits in the area to look at maybe what the city could do to support them. Uh, Certainly our conservation groups and and wetlands uh, conservancies, I'm sure they would uh, embrace any membership by the city into their organizations, any office space that would be allotted to them. uh, to maybe find out what the needs are of nonprofits um, and not just single out the Chamber of Commerce. And I support 26. Um, I've been down here often objecting to not just high density development, any development. And as a matter of fact, I objected to the development that I now live in. So we have a long history of opposing development. And uh, the zoning, as I understand it, would uh, permit the owner to build a four- or five-story office building. So if nothing is done, they could go ahead and um, build there to that level. So, um, you know, it's complicated. But there is a need for senior housing, no doubt. And I think it's
22: a great idea. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much. Thanks, Speaker. Thanks for being here.
22: Hi, my name is Neil. Um, I had a couple other things, but actually I think there's a couple items in the agenda that are a little more important to me, so we'll cover those. First, I wanted to uh, come out here in support of item number 11. I think that's a great opportunity to take advantage of a program um, to provide basically you know, healthcare for homeless members of our community. Um, those are the kinds of things that city government should be getting involved in providing support for the members of the community, especially when we're taking advantage of a state program that can help reduce the burden on, you know, city circumstances. Second, I want to support item number 26. You know, you're probably not surprised to hear me out here supporting housing. I've spoken about it in previous meetings as well. Um, You know, people talk about, you know, someone previously mentioned those two other Um, you know, housing developments off Ellis and off Edinger. I drive past the one on Edinger on the way to work, and I see the one on uh, Ellis, you know, when I drive to my friend's house. And honestly, over the past, you know, like five, 10 years, those have been, honestly, I was kind of proud to see actual construction in the city, to see new construction, to see new residences, Um, even for senior living as well, that'll open a lot of, you know, space for people to move around within the community, filter through the housing. Um, And, you know, again, we're in a housing crisis, um there's been a lot of movement at the state level. There will continue to be movement at the state level. I know people always hate it in their backyard. There's a reason there's a term for that. Um, but you know, again, for my age cohort as well, a lot of my friends, even you know, dual income relationships, are looking around and saying, you know, there's no way I'm ever gonna be able to buy a house. Um, and that's really a shame. You know, I have friends who've had to move out of state, a lot of friends who've had to move out of state to find places that are more affordable, and that really sucks. You know, you have people out here coming here and saying, I'm a third generation, I'm a fourth generation resident, but, you know, maybe one of your kids is going to get the house and they'll come down here and say there's a sixth, but them and all their friends, they're going to be gone, they're going to be scattered too. So, you know, I'm often out here, you know, excoriating you guys for your positions, but honestly, if you are going to support this development, you know, That's a really big um, win in my book, and I will at least think fondly of you on that topic. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here.
23: Um, I'm speaking in opposition to agenda item uh, 26. My name is Kathleen Mooney. I am a 45-year resident and homeowner in Huntington Beach. I was born in Western Pennsylvania and grew up in an extended Italian-American family. Next. When we made spaghetti, the children would gather around a boiling pot of pasta. One of us would take a strand out and throw it against a wooden cabinet. If it stuck, it was done. Why do I feel that that's what this developer is trying to do with the renderings of the project and its potential shadows? Here's next. Here's a standard size football field, 100 yards by 53 yards. Next. The size of the proposed senior center is one and one half times longer than a football field and almost a football field in depth, 65 feet high. What kind of shadow is it going to cast? Next. The developer's uh, rendering does not show any shadows. We have shadow studies and they are quite intriguing. Next. The summer solstice study shows really pale building shadows while the tree shadows are very dark and huge. Next, the winter solstice building shadows are also really pale and the trees really dark and huge. Next, there's something weird here. The shadows in Bolsa Chica are drawn shorter in the winter than they are in the summer. That doesn't make sense because winter solstice shadows are the longest due to the low angle of the sun. Also, notice all of the other buildings and tree shadows don't change in their renderings from summer to winter. Next, this strongly suggests these renderings are not accurate. How can tree shadows be darker and larger than a building that is 65 feet high and 435 feet long? Next, in these other developer renderings, there's no shadows from, any propos- from their building. However, there is a shadow this cast from a smaller building on the other side of Bolsa Chica. Next, in the real world, here's what a much shorter building shadows would look like. Lots of deep, dark shadows which are not as attractive or appealing. Next, look at the tree shadow. It's vain and not as dark as the building shadow. Next, so here's the dark side of the side of the proposed living community. The shadows. The deep, dark, large, looming shadows. Next, Shadows which create safety issues for pedestrians, for drivers, and block the sunlight from surrounding flora and fauna. Showing surrounding buildings and tree shadows as dense and dark and unchanging, yet showing their own building shadows as less dense and smaller than tree shadows is a gross misrepresentation. This leads me to ask, how many others are in their reports and renderings? Presenting idealistic renderings and photos to the public feels like this developer is throwing their spaghetti strands at the wall to see what will stick.
0: 10, ten seconds.
23: My grandma would say, non cotto, not cooked. Send back this proposal, honor your campaign pledges, and say no to high
24: density development next. Thank
14: you.
0: Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here.
24: My name is Christine Podeski. I've been a homeowner in Huntington Beach for more than 40 years. What is going on? Each of you pledged in your campaigns to fight high density housing projects. I'm going to read from your campaign websites. Casey McKeon, I will fight to protect Huntington Beach from irresponsible development to ensure our city remains a suburban beach community that protects our open spaces. Tony Strickland, Stopping overdevelopment to prevent LA style mega apartment complexes from popping up all up and down Beach Boulevard. Huntington Beach needs to set strict limits on the size of new density construction projects. Gracie Vandermill, Mark, stop high density development Pat Burns, in my experience as a police officer, Sergeant and Lieutenant in the city of Long Beach, I've seen firsthand the damage to quality of life, increased crime, traffic, and parking issues when family neighborhoods are replaced with high density development. Dan Kelmick. change the zoning code to remove high density to limit our development and density in our community. Natalie Moser, avoiding high density housing development projects. This proposal is not only a higher density project than the ones you previously promised to stop, but it is also out of compliance with Huntington Beach building regulations in terms of size, land use and planning, noise, et cetera. Why would you possibly grant all the variances required and bend over backwards to approve this project? If you do, the noise will be horrendous. Construction noise which exceeds Huntington Beach's noise limits are mentioned in the project's EIR. And these will persist off and on in this neighborhood for three years due to the size of this project. Here is the maximum sound that is conditionally acceptable according to Huntington Beach's standards. This is 70 decibels. This project's EIR says that even 200 feet away, the noise levels throughout the three-year construction period will be 74 to 79 decibels. There are reasons we have noise standards. The noise level increase predicted by this project has been shown in research to significantly increase hearing loss, stress, sleep disruption, and cardiovascular diseases, such as hypertension and coronary heart disease. The impact on adults, children, infants, and pets living nearby is gonna be horrendous. Now, I'm gonna turn this down a little bit because it's really hard to hear, but the human impact of construction is gonna be incredible over a three-year period. These sounds are two workers hammering and sawing. There will be dozens of workers on this project. Imagine the sound for three years, the response this summer from the project Thank manager you. was Thank people you. aren't home during the day, Thank
0: you. that's not true. Thank you, next, next speaker, thanks for being here.
25: Good evening Mayor, council members, city staff and fellow Huntington Beach residents. I've been living and voting here since 1985. I urge the council to vote yes on agenda item 11, for this is an excellent opportunity for our city to provide some health services to those experiencing no fixed home at no cost of the city. I do have some concerns about agenda item 13. With our projected deficit, should we be gifting any organization up to potentially $10,000 in no fees for two years? Shouldn't we be looking to collect all fees from every source? Wouldn't every organization or nonprofit in Huntington Beach like some similar memo of understanding? Are we now setting some unsustainable precedent? And by the way, the Huntington Beach Chamber of Commerce is one of the biggest supporters of high density living. I thought the majority city council was opposed to high density living. Seems like another broken promise made against HDD. I know that the homeowners who live near the Bolsa Chica and Warner intersection would prefer that nothing ever built on that property of land. However, that isn't realistic. This proposed assisted living facility is probably the one type of development once built that provide the least amount of traffic and congestion. Huntington Beach absolutely needs housing for its aging population. Councilmember Birds has said, oh, well, they could just live with a family member. I deliver meals to many seniors in Huntington Beach who either have no family or have outlived their family. So where are they supposed to live when they can no longer manage to live on their own? You see, most seniors who live in this type of housing don't have a car. They don't even have a driver's license. And yes, this building might be going to be 65 feet high. Trust me, it won't be the only tall building in Huntington Beach. And as a reminder, since the 1990s, Many in this city spoke out against the very developments that many of you currently live in. This is not new. I certainly hope that all the infrastructure projects for sewers, flood control, and traffic light synchronization are approved by an unanimous vote, because that's what good governance looks like. By the way, this is Retired Teachers Week. In California, last year, teachers donated over $39 million in volunteer hours throughout the state. I donated a bit over 400 hours right here in China Beach and save the city $13,000 in services, you see a volunteer hour is valued at $33.60. So if you know a retired teacher, thank them for serving in your community. And if you are concerned about things happening in Huntington Beach, I urge you to check out protecthb.org. Thank you.
0: Thank you for being here. Next speaker, thanks so much for being here.
26: Thank you very much. Uh, Good evening, Mayor Strickland and council members. My name is Russell Neal and I live in Huntington Beach. Uh, Rather than speaking in favor or against item 26, I thought I'd take occasion to talk about some general rules that should govern how we deal with all of these type of problems. The fundamental issue underlying all other issues is that of lawfulness uh, versus lawlessness. Do we have a government of law, or do we have a government of men and their arbitrary will, which is despotism? Concerning real estate development, city councils are always faced with balancing competing rights. Ronald Reagan famously said that your right to swing your arm uh, ends at the other fellow's nose. And so uh, property owners, for example, indeed do have a right to develop their property, but that right is not unlimited. Every proposed development impacts its neighbors, sometimes a lot, sometimes a little. Lawful people think in terms of right and wrong. Lawless people think in terms of us versus them, of developers versus residents. We need to think in terms of right versus wrong and always seek to do the right thing. The lawful way to handle land use conflicts is by having fixed rules and procedures and then applying them fairly without fear or favor. Neither community pressure nor developer money should be what drives government decisions. This is why we have a general plan, zoning ordinances, and planning procedures. Now sometimes exceptional circumstances require exceptions be made, but in those cases, Exceptional additional steps should also be required, such as more public hearings and more study sessions. Otherwise, we end up with the exception swallowing the rule and we move toward despotism or arbitrary government, a government of men rather than a government of laws. I hope that is not what's happening in this case. So I like the idea that we're deferring it, but I would like you to think in terms of our laws and our procedures that we use that if we're gonna step outside of the general plan with a specific plan, that we have uh, the additional steps that would be necessary to maintain legitimacy in the process, thank you.
0: Thank you so much.
26: Next speaker, thanks so much for being here.
0: Good evening, Mr. Mayor and City Council members.
8: I was asked this afternoon by uh, chad williams to uh play a
22: video that he created uh he felt very passionate about agenda item 26 and we're gonna share that right now
27: good evening council chad williams here i
28: wish i could be there
27: unfortunately i'm out of town on work but i did want to address this building project at bolsa chica that is on the agenda tonight and i want to implore you to please vote no or at the very least Motion to reschedule because there are some things you need to rethink about this project. I've spoken to enough people in the community to know by now that the tide of public opinion is highly opposed to this monstrosity of a six story building project. And I understand that some of you on council might be knee deep into promises made and yeses given to these builders. But don't forget about the promises made and the yeses given to those that got you into the position that you're in now. And so those of you that are elected officials on the council, do not forget what you campaigned on, do not forget the people that you first made your promises and gave your yeses to. You are going to have to disappoint tonight and you're gonna have to disappoint one of two different groups. Either you disappoint these builders and you satisfy the people of Huntington Beach or you disappoint the people of Huntington Beach. And so I implore you vote no, or at the very least motion to reschedule because this project, it did fly under the radar for a while. There are many people that did not know about it, but it has gotten into the drinking water and the people have tasted the bitterness of it and they're highly opposed to it. This is not the only way to serve our seniors. And so pump the brakes on this Let's get together and let's consider other ways that we could be serving our seniors. Because if you do do this, this will forever change the trajectory of our city. It will no longer be the same suburban beach town that it once was. It will always be used as a point of reference and a justification for more buildings of the like going up. And so please make the right decision. One final thing. November 2024, there is an election. There are three seats that are opening up, and I want you all that are there and listening to remember these three names, Don Kennedy, Butch Twining, and Chad Williams. God bless you all. Have a good night.
0: Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here.
8: Good evening, honorable members of the city council. Before I make my comments, I'd like to publicly thank Al Zalinka his many years of service to the city. During his tenure, he made every effort to make every person and employee of the city proud to live in the city. He was a man of character and somebody that was trustworthy. So, Al, thank you so very much. I'm here to support Agenda Item 14, but I would like to dig deeper into this Agenda Item to emphasize the financial challenges that Huntington Beach has with regard to something called unfunded liabilities. Unfunded liabilities, after the transfer of funds, we had the following liabilities for, the known, for these known items. Workman's compensation, $22.9 million. General liability, $2.7 million. Supplemental retirement benefits, 4.3 million. Unfunded pension costs, 168.3 million. Or a total unfunded liability of $198.3 million, almost $200 million. As a result of this unfunded liability, and as a, and as a result of the fact that we're, we are already projecting a $19 million deficit for the upcoming five years, I would respectfully request that the city council consider all of these facts before they make further financial commitments. I would further recommend that the city convene a financial analysis team, which would be tasked to make a thorough and comprehensive evaluation of the financial health of Huntington Beach. Further, I would recommend that this financial team present a financial analysis report to this Huntington Beach City Council on a quarterly basis in order for the city council to be aware of the financial health of the city before they make future policies that impair the financial health of the city. Ladies and gentlemen, members of the City Council, finances are not a question of Democrat or Republican. Making policy decisions which protect the financial integrity of Huntington Beach is the responsibility of all the members of the City Council. Thank you so very much.
0: Next speaker, thanks for being here.
29: Tony. Um, First, I had two um, items I wanted to talk to, but I did want to thank Al Zalinka. Where is he? He's not here. Okay. But anyway, maybe he's watching. Um, I wanted to thank him for being a decent, honorable, effective, and sensible leader for the city of Huntington Beach, and he deserves that applause again. And if you were here on November 1st, we had a great rally here I want to thank, again, uh, Chief Para because I heard there was a rumor that our city attorney and our mayor were trying to stop the rally, but we pursued. It was great. We had a great rally and press conference to announce the fight, an organized group against expensive, frivolous ballot measures the Foolish Four voted in for. For more info, you can go to www.protecthb1word.org as an organization. You can go there to volunteer, you can go there to donate, you can go there to be heard, because Disgracie, Casey and Tony and Pat don't listen. So number two: we have a problem in Honey to Beach. Again, it would be Casey, Disgracie, Pat and Tony. We have some of our headlines. As a good citizens, I'm pissed. Current Huntington Beach Council majority sending city in wrong direction. And right below it, on the same front page there, we have a power-hungry agenda, threaten surf city. This is the daily pilot. No matter what they call it, they're banning books. I know the GOP... I uh, did a poll on the word ban, and it's not popular. Nobody likes a ban, so they tried to maneuver it into something else, but it is a ban. Wait, there's more. These are a few more of our headlines that we have. How to ruin a successful library. Um, from the Daily Pilot, Huntington Beach Council hears negative public input on public amendments. Uh, Voice of OC, we have Huntington Beach leaders will try to define what's obscene and at public libraries. And then from the register, we have Huntington Beach goes ahead with the library censors. So we have some really bad press going on there. I hope that Ms. Bolton, Mr. Kalmick, and Ms. Moser can lead us in the right direction so we have some positive headlines for the city of Huntington Beach. Thank you. And go to Protect HB.
28: Thank you. Uh,
0: next 10, thank you so next much. Next
1: 10, Leslie Green. Amory Hansen, Tim Geddes, Jocelyn Rabbitsire, David Reinerson, Wendy Schwartz, Jonathan Bonwit, Dr. Daniel Pineda, Robert Tomolo, Melinda Pollins.
0: Thank you for being
30: here. Good evening, mayor and city council. My name is Tim Geddes, homeowner and 40-year resident. My remarks tonight revolve around diversity, not the, not the need for it, but the lack of it. I would like to, I would like to start on an up note with the invocation uh, for our city uh, council meetings. When the mayor reacted to the brutal attack on Israel by Hamas, On October 7, by passing a resolution last month in support of Israel and condemning Hamas, I offered the the suggestion that the city council should uh, invite an approved representative of one of the two faiths mentioned in the resolution to deliver the invocation this evening, not only to promote diversity, but to offer a, a message of peace and restraint among the parties involved in the escalating Gaza conflict. I followed up my suggestion at the recent mayor's town hall, and Mayor Strickland seemed to think it was a good idea, even inquiring if I had a rabbi in mind for the uh, occasion. I am pleased that the mayor uh, did invite a representative of one of these faiths to speak tonight on the one-month anniversary of the attack on Israel, and uh, it, which is uh, obviously now escalating the, the, the Gaza conflict. Um, it is, I hope, that the, uh, this break from the uniformity of council invocations leads to greater diversity in, in uh, starting our meetings. In most of the other areas, though, however, we have seen uniform uniformity replace diversity in dealing with the community and its needs. From the uh, beginning of this year, this lack of diversity has expanded beyond pride flags and invocations to restriction and suppression at every turn. We have seen anti-science, anti-intellectual, and anti-authority moves not only gain traction but carry the day. The proposed charter amendments are not only unneeded and irresponsible, but, but they are oppressive and dangerous. They might easily get the city sued to the tune of millions of dollars. Regardless of who wins wins those lawsuits, the city loses in in legal expenses and in civic reputation. The MAGA malcontents running our city have killed off boards and commissions offering community input to the governing process, cheapening the term human dignity, and lauded their own intolerance. What is this? As Billy Crystal might have said, fascism, can you dig it? I knew that you could. Thank you. Next
0: speaker, thanks for being here.
31: My name is Jonathan Bondwitz. I've been a resident uh, since 2009 in the Brightwater community. I'm here to speak out in opposition of uh, item number 26. I can't believe it's gotten this far. Uh, it snuck in under the radar uh, in the planning stages. Now we're awake. This monstrosity has, cannot be built um, it's 213 units basically it walks like a duck it looks like a duck it quacks like a duck guess what it's a big box apartment building that's all it is they call it a senior citizens center whatever name they put on the outside it's on zero lot lines the thing is 72 feet high standing from the corner of Bolsa Chica and Warner looking up to the power pits The builder misleads us saying it's only 65 feet tall. They don't count the top parapets. It's 72 feet tall. If each floor is 12 feet tall, that's six stories high in a neighborhood of all maximum two stories high. It's going to be sprawling over 35 acres, almost on a zero lot line, 10 feet in from from the curb. It's a massive, massive big box. You're trying to stick into our neighborhood. The problem here is it's way under park as well. Um, When my blessed mother was in a a care home, uh, we have a small family. I'm one of three siblings. uh, And my sister was there every day, bless her heart, taking care of my mom. She'd drive there and spend time with my mom. My brother and I would drive in. The four grandkids would drive in. Small family, six cars showing up to visit mom. This has only decimal 0.62 parking spaces times 213 units, as if half the people weren't going to have any visitors. What happens on a Sunday? What happens on a holiday when all the relatives show up all driving separate cars? There is no guest parking. There is no excess parking. Um, the issue there is that, um, that you've got... UPS drivers, you've got uh, FedEx, you've got Amazon, you've got deliveries, you've got uh, uh, maintenance and repair. Where are they going to park? I'm going to tell you, there's no parking in the building. There's no guest parking. If you have 213 units, if we use the 80-20 rule, 20% of them on any one day are going to have visitors. That's 42 extra visitor parking spaces this developer needs to build. They're not there. So they expect the spillover parking to go on to Bolsa Chica. Guess what? There is no extra street parking on Warner Avenue. Bolsa Chica, if you've driven out there, is all red line curbs most of the way up until the bike lane, which is the major entrance into the uh, five miles of ecological reserve hiking trails. Bolsa Chica is the only major ingress and and egress. Entrance. I'm out.
0: Yes, I'm sorry. I should have given you 10 seconds. I'm sorry. Thanks for being here.
31: It's the only way in and out of uh, Brightwater. Thank you. And you're going to block it off.
32: Thank you. Uh, Next speaker, thanks for being here. Yep. Uh, David Reinerson, 25-year resident. Tonight I'm not speaking to the city council. I'm speaking to my fellow citizens. I suspect that most of you are either unaware of or unable to attend the special session held on Monday, October 23rd, and it's no surprise that you missed it since it was convened by the council majority with an absolute minimum notice to the public for it to be legal. Why, you might ask? Because they didn't want you to know about it. At that meeting, the council majority voted to move forward with pulling Huntington Beach out of the Orange County Power Authority despite 60,000 households and 9,000 businesses that voted to, to have OCPA power. They decided they simply wanted to overrule what the citizens chose. And what was their justification for this decision? Well, simply that Tony Strickland wanted to quote, leave it to the professionals at Southern California Edison, end quote. But here's what Tony didn't tell you. He didn't tell you what the professionals at SCE are trying to do at the state level to your electricity bill. He didn't tell you the electric utilities are trying to make it illegal for community solar users to directly consume the electricity that their solar installations generate. Community solar serves people who live in apartments and condominiums, about 40% of all Californians, as well as serving school districts and farms. The utilities are trying to force these users to sell their electricity that their solar generates to the utility at wholesale prices and buy it back at retail prices, essentially legalized theft. If passed, this would essentially destroy the community solar industry by making the break-even time 15 years or more, about the same as the lifespan of the equipment. Now, unless you are a community solar user, you might say, so what? This doesn't impact me. And you'd be right. Even though it's grossly unfair, it may not impact you directly. But there's another provision that the electric utilities are pushing that impacts virtually everyone. If you look at your electric bill, (coughs) you'll see that there's an element called the fixed charges that have nothing to do with the electricity you use. Under today's law, those fixed charges are capped at about $10 per month. Well, those professionals at SCE are trying to get the Public Utilities Commission to increase that fixed fee, and not by a little, by a lot, somewhere in the range of three to 10 times. So changing that $10 to $30 to $100 a month for consuming zero electricity. And there's no guaranteed benefit that the public gets from this fee. It's just guaranteed profit for the utilities. So if you ask me, the council majority is not working for the public. They're advancing their own personal agendas. And if you doubt it, take a look at the last four measures that the council majority pushed through. A voter ID charter amendment, a restrictive flag charter amendment, a library book review and sequestration proposal, and continuing to pull Huntington Beach out of OCPA. All four of those measures were opposed by 90% of the public based on written and public comments, yet the council majority ignored them and pushed them through anyway. Doesn't sound like representative democracy to me, sounds like autocracy. It's time to remove the fascist five, Strickland, Vandermark, Burns, McKeon, and Gates.
33: Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Good evening, women and gentlemen. I grew up in Garden Grove and my mom used to make me go, help the, help the elders across the street. Uh, and she would, go attend to your elderly. That's, that's what she would tell me. Um, anyhow, I came to Huntington Beach uh, and I came to the police department off agenda for some assistance, for help. Uh, my, my wife, she passed on in Garden Grove in 2016 this is case number one six dash zero zero three eight four is Stephanie G is in Gabriel. Uh, try to get into the precinct. Doors are locked. Yeah, I mean, try to get get to the phone, get through. After a while, we know that the rules, regulations, policies, and some of the laws—it's a failure. Yeah, I mean, you know, we—I know you guys are at hard at work. I can imagine. You know, but when Orange County says help stop the trafficking of humans in Orange County. I should be able to, that's a, that's a big jurisdiction, I should be able to go in a precinct. I mean, to make a missing people's runaway, kidnap, so on and so forth. Uh, since 2016, Orange County Sheriff's withholding documents evidence, you know, looking for her body. Nobody, nobody, nobody answered that knock. Yeah, some bad stuff going on. I can only imagine, you know. When we play stupid games, we win stupid prizes. I, had, I played a lot of stupid games and I won a lot of stupid prizes. You know, and through, when people call the cops, I mean, everybody came, the whole department. I'm very blessed to be thank, and thankful for some of the residents that were around. You know I mean? Could have been killed in front of the library because nobody listened. I've been all over Orange County with my nose on my face looking for my wife. You know, I kind of put in my expertise to use it's time to go i'm in the bushes i'm everywhere looking for her but i got everybody else behind me trip trying to trip me up and not help me we uh, we got a lot of people coming they're coming from all directions we need if a woman or a child goes to that door get man running and it's closed cuz we got people jumping over the fence with heinous crimes and them doors are locked What, you know, holding all this evidence for a long time. Yeah, I mean, could have got shot all over Orange County, to be honest with you. Went to a lot of other meetings, a lot of other tables. You know, but we need to know what, you know, everybody needs to know what's going on. Because they've seen me all over my Lincoln. Thanks for the help.
0: Thanks for being here. Next speaker.
34: My name is Wendy Swartz and I might look familiar to some of you um, because I come here year after year uh, working on a project that you guys have been working on with me, especially Councilwoman Moser. She's been uh, an advocate of this particular project. Uh, My history in Huntington Beach is I have four generations of family um, here. I was born and raised here. My son was born and raised and died uh, in the Glenmar Track, and my granddaughter was born and raised here. So I have a lot of history in Huntington Beach and the Glenmar Track, and it means a lot to me. Uh, the first page of the handout that I gave you, the reason why that one is the first page, is because I wanted you to see the date, and it's 1023 2018 um, So for five years, I've been trying to get this project moving forward, Um, And the project is the Glenmar Perimeter Wall Beautification. It's not only beautification, it's a safety issue. Um, And in the pictures, you'll see quite a few of the items that are safety issues. Um, I did have a Glenmar resident, 87-year-old, that fell and did get hurt. Fortunately, she didn't sue. Um, But they're all uh, hoping that this project gets done. We finally got to the point... um, because of you, Councilman Moser, where we actually uh, got the bids, and we have the we have how much it's going to cost to do it, um, and so they've been doing it in increments, and they just completed. Uh, you'll see the map on there, from, um, Bouchard, uh, from Yorktown to the fire station, and then they did a small section over on Magnolia, but the Adams section which is the primary section, and from the fire station up to Adams, still needs to be done. So I wanna make sure the project doesn't stop. If I'm not here, then everybody forgets about it, and another five years is gonna go by. My parents have died in the track, my son died in the track. Please don't make me die in the track without the project being completed. That's it.
0: Thank you for being here. Next speaker, thanks for being here.
35: Thank you, Mr. Mayor. My name is Mr. Amory Hansen. I'm speaking tonight in support of item 15, the emergency operations plan for Huntington Beach. Having an emergency operations plan is important. On October 31st, I had the distinct opportunity by circumstance to participate in an emergency drill following a false alarm while I was heading to observe a meeting at City Hall. The drill was well done, but certainly everything can be improved. I also believe that in light of previous controversies relating to the oil spill and the unfortunate cancellation of the Great Pacific Air Show in 2021, it is important that be clear what matters during a disaster Require an emergency or special meeting of the city council, depending on the degree of urgency. Let's continue to be prepared so that the defenses of Huntington Beach against external forces are strong. Once again, I urge a yes vote on item 15. Thank you.
0: Thanks for being here, thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here.
12: Yes, sir, thank you, Mr. Mayor. My name is Robert Tumalo, I've been a resident of the Brightwater community for, since about 2010. Uh, I'm here tonight to uh, speak my opposition to item number 26. Um, this monstrosity just does not belong in our community and in our neighborhood. Most of these single family residential uh, uh, Tracks and communities in our area are about 7 DU per acre, 7 units per acre. Uh, Most of your condominium projects and attached projects are 2 and 3 story and are anywhere from probably 15 to 20 dwelling units per acre. This monstrosity is proposing to be 69 units per acre. It just doesn't belong in our community of its size and scope. And I would urge the council not to approve any type of structure that is inconsistent with the surrounding community. Please don't turn our neighborhood into a Bella Terra. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here.
36: Good evening, Mayor Strickland, council members, hardworking city staff. My name is Jocelyn Rabbit Sire. And um, first, I would like to invite all. HB residents to check out this organization because the charter amendments that will unfortunately appear as ballot measures on your primary ballot this March will have critical implications for all of us, including for our pocketbooks. I do agree with the pre- a previous speaker who also promoted this site that our city has been earning a lot of bad press for decisions that have been steamrolled through by majority council members. However, with all due respect um, to that community advocate and to other speakers here tonight, I hope that we can move forward without using the tactic of name calling since it diminishes the chance that we can have civil discourse and come to understand one another. Um, I also am here to deliver the public comment of my sister in law, Laura Sire. She says, This is Laura Sire, longtime resident of HB. As your constituent, I strongly urge you to give more time and consideration to I- item number 13 on the agenda for tonight. At the attached um, memorandum of an understanding is 30 pages long and definitely needs more study and consideration. It appears to favor the Chamber of Commerce over the city's necessary nonprofits and other organizations that serve many residents and their needs. I strongly support, she also says, I strongly support our current city manager, El Zalinka, and the work he has done for Huntington Beach. He is a responsible, trustworthy leader, and we need him. That was from Laura Sayer. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. <clears throat> Madam Clerk, more?
36: Yeah.
1: Um, just final call for um, Manuel Pineda. That may have been the gentleman that already spoke. I'm not sure. Leslie Green and Melinda Pollins. And the next list is Rebecca Langenwalter, Tim Schultz, Joanna Weiss, Allison Meyer, Melvin Sterling. While we're waiting for people to come down, I just want to remind anybody that signed a green sheet to come and speak, um, make your way down to the podium after or now and at any time. We have your sheets and I'll recognize your name.
0: Thank you for being here.
18: Hi, I'm Rebecca Langenwalter. I uh, came to speak on item 26 tonight and urge you to oppose it. Um, I call it the Bolsa Chica Luxury Tower, unaffordable housing for middle-aged who, can, uh, who, who are willing to live more than 30 minutes away from a major hospital uh, during, during uh, peak, med- peak traffic. So um, council members, uh, this is a really important uh, night and to be continued. You're here to make a decision that will affect your future as leaders. You were elected on a wave of community involvement and with the promise to reject high density housing. So I'm here asking, will you be true to your word Uh, Or will you abandon those who elected you? Uh, The vote can be a win-win for both sides, uh, but only if it's uh, posed in its current form. Um, I've lived in, uh, so I was uh, born and raised in Huntington Beach. Um, Your decision on this uh, development will affect thousands of residents and families. My family is one that will be profoundly affected because I own the property right across the street from the complex where the large Morton Bay Fig is. All right, uh, in 1954, uh, my parents purchased the property. They turned a dirt lot into a reserve and built their home. We now are four generations, uh, and we're not that different from the other residents in the area. In, in, in our case, however, the complex would actually cover our house and the other residents right along Bolsa Chica in a shadow every day of the year from 2 p.m. or 3 p.m. onward. I would never be in afternoon or evening sunlight on my property. Uh, imagine that. Um, goodness, what is that going to do for vitamin D deficiencies? Um, Would you support a project that requires zoning changes when the zoning that's there is there to protect our neighborhoods? Uh, Would you allow a project that would benefit a landowner who knew what the zoning parameters when he purchased that property? Uh, I ask you to serve us by fighting for our quality of life. If this project moves forward, that intersection will be a landmark indeed uh, as it is now, but not a landmark to um, the beauty and um, energy of that area, but rather a monument to how this council helped spoil that little section of our city and that there was a refusal to serve the good people of Northern Huntington Beach. I don't know how much time I have left. I did wanna make a note. 18 seconds. Serious, thank you, Mr. Mayor Strickland. There is not a major hospital in less than 11.7 miles from that location. That's a long time for your mom or dad to be transported when they're having an emergency. And um, I contacted the top six uh, senior complexes, and they all have immediate vacancies.
0: Thank you. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Next speaker. Thanks for being here.
18: Hi. Hi, everyone.
37: Hello, everyone. My name is Neilan Barnes, and I'm here to talk about item number 26 as well. I've been a resident of Huntington Beach since 2008, and since 2012, I've lived half of a block from the proposed site. I agree we need more transitional housing for elders in Huntington Beach, but I do not agree with the proposed project, given its current size. It is too Big. The height of the building and the number of the units are excessive. I ask that the council members please reject the current proposal as is, send it back to the developer, ask for a redesign to three stories, four stories max, not five. Please consider the following. The traffic impact outlined in the EIR report is grossly underestimated. Currently, commercial use is Monday through Friday, for the most part, from eight to five. Even when very busy traffic, even when very busy, traffic is not diverted into residential streets. This facility will feature traffic 24-7 from constant deliveries, medical supplies, food restaurant vendors, Amazon, as well as trash, pool, landscaping, building maintenance vehicles, visitors, etc. The right in right out traffic entrance and exits of the resident on both Bolsa Chica and Warner Avenues will direct traffic along Bolsa Chica, Los Patos, and Green Streets in a way that will create a constant circle of traffic In residential areas, we need to consider traffic mitigation at the very least. Also, the number of staff employees estimated in the EIR is incorrect. They say it's about 110 total, 30 to 40 per shift. That does not include the many medical and healthcare workers who will be providing care 24 7 for those in the assisted and memory care side. 189 parking spaces are not efficient. for residents in a 200 unit facility, 102 units of which are for independent living. Many of those individuals will have cars and drive them well into their 90s as my grandmother did. Um, And so where will the visitors park as well? gentleman previously outlined the impact of that question in a way that I hope that you understand. We will be facing a massive impact of traffic and congestion along that entire block. Please also consider the impact of a three-year construction project on the community. Semi-trucks, dust, noise, three years of that. I'm glad to hear that you have um, tabled it and that there will be some town meetings because there really does need to be some conversation and some compromise around this project. I would also like during the three-year construction phase to have a, I would ask that the, the council appoint a community liaison to help with residents Um, To report and manage issues that arise from the construction and traffic, I urge urge the council to listen to your constituents and vote as representatives, vote for the vote as a representative of the citizens, and not serve the financial interests of developers. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Next speaker. Thanks for being here.
38: Good evening, Mayor and City Council. I was proud to stand with the six former mayors of Huntington Beach last week in front of City Council to say no to the proposed charter amendments. These mayors, including Connie Boardman, Shirley Detloff, Barbara Delghese, Jill Hardy, Linda Moulton-Patterson, and Vic Leipzig, all served with city council members from different political parties and reported putting the interests of the constituents of Huntington Beach first, not partisan agendas. I applaud the citizens of Huntington Beach who are standing up for democracy and the rule of law and for our most marginalized in our community. Kudos to each of you for being here tonight and I'm proud to stand with you. I stand in firm opposition to the proposed ballot measures relating to the election changes and flying the uh, pride flag. The proposed voter ID laws conflict with state law. The council's attempts to take over elections from the county could disenfranchise voters and suppress the vote in the city. There is no evidence to show that voter ID laws are necessary. Shame on the council for putting these forward and potentially costing the city of Huntington Beach upwards of $1.5 million. The proposed charter regarding the pride flag is similarly unnecessary and smacks of political grandstanding. As a champion of democracy and a fierce LGBTQ ally, I oppose these measures which would limit democratic participation in our local elections and only inflict further harm on our LGBTQ community.
39: Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here. Good evening. My name is Melvin Sterling. I'm a physician. I was previously the chair of emergency medicine at UCI. I have worked in the emergency department of um, the University of Chicago and inner city hospital. I have seen the result of the lack of preventive care. The result is devastating. It's devastating in terms of the outcome for the patients, their families, and the cost of healthcare. It makes no sense at all, no sense at all to deny access to preventive care. Please, Do your part in halting the increase in the cost of health care for our community, our state, and our nation. Thank you. Thank you so
0: much. Thank you. Next speaker, thanks for being here.
15: Hi. My name's Tim Schultz. I live in the Brightwater community. And I am here, too, to oppose item number 26 on the agenda. So you and your colleagues came to campaign uh, when you were most recently running for election. Um, I participated in your town meeting several times and a big focus of all of you running in unison centered around the theme of stifling the growth and density of low income housing and high rise buildings. I think it's a pretty well known fact and hopefully widely accepted by you and your fellow council members that you ran your campaigns on keeping Huntington Beach a nice place to live and maintaining the ambiance of our special beachside community. This message has been continually echoed and resonating around our neighborhood where this monstrosity of a building is being proposed on the corner of Bolsa Chica and Warner. An obvious question is, why in the world would any of you in our city government want to approve something of this size and scope, especially so close to the beach? I also cannot understand how the planning commission could approve something like this when it exceeds the height and setback requirements of the city code as it sits now. How can they allow the developer owner of this project to dictate his own code and building requirements? Is that not a code violation in and of itself? Why would our city want to set the precedent for developers to come and feed off the passage of this building project? I think one Bella Terra housing project is enough. If this proposed project is passed by the city council in the upcoming meeting, you will start to see these types of buildings popping up all over Huntington Beach. Is that what you guys ran your campaign on? I don't think so. And more importantly, is that what you as a resident really want yourself? I think it's utterly ridiculous and a huge step backwards. I interpreted your campaign was to cut the growth, which would include high density, minimize traffic and congestion, and more importantly, maintain the exquisite beauty that our unique beachside community has to offer. I am not against a retirement community or living assisted for the elderly. God knows we will all be there someday. But I am against big business and corporate greed, taking advantage of our city at the expense of the surrounding residents who moved here with the same intent and purpose a beautiful seaside neighborhood tucked away in the awesome city of Huntington Beach. I urge you to think of us, the constituents you voted, who voted and elected you to say no to this project and honor your promises you made and fought so hard for. I also wanna thank the previous planning member on the planning commission who came up here in front of you and actually admitted that he made a mistake. That takes a lot of kahuntas. Um, I really think that was, pretty impressive for him to do that um 10 seconds that's all i want to say thank you thank you thank you
0: next speaker thanks for being here
40: hi my name is lisa i'm a resident of huntington beach and i was here for the planning commission meeting in september i think there's some misconception that this building is for elderly people, um, senior people that are convalescing. I believe from the last meeting in September, there's over 200 units. Three are allocated for convalescing, 30 are allocated for memory, and the rest are Yahoo! 55 and over with rooftop bars and a lot of amenities. So it's not some facility that's for convalescing elderly people. Um, A lot of people that are Stereotypically, like that, might have limited incomes. This is also not even a moderately priced facility. It's from the last I recall, six to ten thousand dollars a month. So I think. We should be very forthright about what type of facility it actually is it's simply for 55 and older and 55 and older have company they don't go to bed at 8:30. they're not convalescing they're having guests come over they're drinking they're doing all kinds of things which are going to bring a lot more traffic to the area a lot more cars probably about four to five hundred cars at any given time depending on how many people live in a particular unit Just today, I was behind at least a dozen vehicles at the stoplight at Warner and Bolsa Chica. Me being behind all those vehicles blocked a stop sign so nobody could actually get out. We had to wait till the light turned green for a few cars to go through, and then I got to hit another red light. It's entirely too congested. Another thing I think the city council needs to really consider is instead of more housing like the one that's being proposed, how about a new hospital? We have a dilapidated hospital in Huntington Beach. There's only one in Huntington Beach for all of us at this present time. I have had friends, family, and neighbors rushing to the local Huntington Beach Hospital only to be pushed out to Memorial Care down in Fountain Valley. I personally took someone there. there's bodies all over the hallways. It looks like a war zone there. They asked, take the person to Hoke Hospital. By that time, the person could have been dead. So that's ridiculous. City Council should be thinking about another hospital, not more housing to bring in all these extra people when you don't have enough resources to even take care of the existing residents. Beyond that, I hear that Huntington Beach, we are tsunami ready. I've I've seen the signs at least 15 years ago. They were put up leading us to higher ground in the event we have a tsunami, particularly in that area that's so close to the ocean. I don't know if any type of tsunami readiness was ever factored into the EIR or any of these um, diagnostics that have been performed, but how would there be any possibility of anybody being able to get out? Um, uh, On top of that, the streets. There's there's hardly, a, there's no sidewalk as it is. So what is going to happen here? Is, is city thank council you. thinking of eminent domain and taking people's homes away in the future? Thank,
0: thank you. Next speaker, thanks so much for being here.
40: Uh, good evening, good evening, Mayor
28: Strickland, council members and uh, fellow residents of the city of Huntington Beach. My name is Brian Thenis. I've been a 36 year resident of the city of Huntington Beach. I live in the Brightwater community. And uh, I uh, oppose item 26. I filed an appeal tonight, and uh, I understand the developer decided to take his item for the approval of the EIR and the approval of the project off of the agenda. But I, I didn't take my appeal off the agenda, so I don't really understand how that happened. We 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 had the opportunity tonight to, um, you know, uphold the appeal and overturn. The uh, planning commission's conditional use permit. We could have done that separately. I, I own a civil engineering firm. I've been dealing with sequal laws, you know, for the past 37 years, and um, I, you know, if you've seen my letters, I, I hired two attorneys to help me uh, be prepared for the unlikely event that this project actually gets approved. Um, so I don't understand why we didn't hear the the, uh, the appeal tonight, but in, be that it is, it is. Um, you know, the, the, the environmental impact report has to prove by record that that this project is justified. And there are three main overriding considerations in this environmental impact report, and it's there are similar projects in the area. That's not true, they quote projects miles away that are much less dense. There's four projects, please, please do your homework before the next meeting, check these projects out. They, they, they say that, oh, this massive structure will be, we'll, we'll put architectural enhancements on it. What, that doesn't change the, 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 the effects of overcrowding and crime and everything that comes with too dense of a population. And and then they then then they say the only possible this is the only possible project that there is no alternate. It's in the IR. They say there's no alternate. Uh, You know the only alternate. You know it's a lie. You know it's greed. They should have just wrote that. We're greedy. We want a big ass project. So we we want to just you know approve this giant project. Do your homework at the at the August twenty second at the August twenty second hearing. Um they, they 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 said Clearwater is gonna be the operator of the project. Clearwater operates Clearwater at South Bay Torrance, which is twenty nine units per acre, Clearwater River Park and Oxnard, thirty-six units, Clearwater Tustin, fifteen units per acre, Clearwater Glendora, forty units per acre, Clearwater Sonoma Hills, twenty-six units per acre. I would get a second of opinion. Uh, I believe the project is feasible Ten seconds. to be smaller. I don't think anybody opposes the project. It's just the mass and scale of the project. The EIR itself says, oh, look at all these other projects. We're going to build the same. And they're just going to keep getting bigger and bigger.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Thanks for being here.
41: Last speaker. Uh, Good evening, Mayor Strickland and council members. My name is Allison Meyer. I have no slide presentation, I have no notes, I have no sound reproductions, although that was awesome. Uh, But I passionately oppose item 26. I've been a 29-year residence of Huntington Beach. I live one block from where the proposed building is gonna be, and in every way, shape, and form, it is not good for that community. Just because that there's a CVS and a Walgreens across the street doesn't mean that it's appropriate for the seniors to live there. Um, The the traffic is ridiculous even now. There's sirens going up and down the street at every hour of the night. Um, During the summertime, it's blocked at the light going on to Bolsa Chica to get to the 405. It's just so dense there. And across the street are over 3,000 apartment complexes. I mean, there's just not a rough room it, and it's huge. The tallest buildings from here, from that area to Bellaterra and to Beach Boulevard, those are the only places that they'll see a five-story building. I came to Huntington Beach because I loved it. I love the beach, I love how beautiful it is and I love my neighbors. I don't wanna have to move just because they're gonna build this monstrosity by some greedy developers. Thank you for your time and thank you Mr. Burns for replying to my email. Okay.
1: Um, last call for Joanna Weiss, and then I'll just read the names of those left that signed up for public hearing that did not come down. Gloria Abrams, Christine Wendell, Marcy Zeller, John Via, Nancy Cosenza, Tom Dillman, Elizabeth <clears throat> S- Sliwsi, Lawrence Lucy and linda wright if you're here and you'd like to provide a comment this is your last opportunity
42: Mm -hmm. (laughs) hello mayor hello council members i'm john via a few of you know me from around town i'm speaking on behalf of the mou with the city with the chamber of commerce i'm a member of the chamber of commerce i on the board for two different nonprofits. Somebody earlier had said that why don't other nonprofits get some uh, benefits from the city for using city facilities? We do. As long as we know how to discuss that with the Senior Center, with um, Metal Art Golf Course, with some of the other facilities within the city, they do offer discounts to nonprofits. I think what the Chamber of Commerce is trying to do is solidify an agreement that once in place is available for the public, public to see what the Chamber is getting and what the city is getting. That's all this is attempting to do. It's not trying to give special privileges to the Chamber of Commerce. It's not trying to do anything else except for to be open, upfront, and have it as a legal document for anybody in the city to look at. Somebody had mentioned that some of these things are already being um, taking place with the city and the Chamber of Commerce. Well, let's be in the open about it. If the people are concerned about what's going on with the city and the Chamber, this document will allow public notice to be able to view that. Thank you. Thank you for being here, thank you. Next speaker. Hi.
43: Hi, I just wanted, I'm sorry, I'm not a resident, so I don't want to take up much of your time. But I just wanted to come and talk and just share a few minutes that I am really concerned with people who do attend this meeting and the safety of them as they're here to give your comments and to listen to you guys. At your last meeting, I did not attend, but the next morning I woke up to Twitter tags from a community member who I believe sits on a committee and um, has helped out with some of your campaigns and his personal friends who decided to false dox me and posted pictures of a resident that wasn't me, harassed that person, posted pictures, posted information about them. I just want to clarify that that wasn't me. I'm Brianna Walker, okay? And I just want to make sure that other people, when they're attending, are not called out by your guys' friends, posted online with their pictures and information. It is just really disheartening that that is allowed, especially from somebody on your guys' committees that you guys have appointed, it sounds like. So if you can do better to please make sure that there's some safety going on in these meetings so that people feel safe here and able to give their opinions of the charter amendments and every other decision like your book banning and everything else you guys have brought to the table, I'd really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. That concludes public
0: comments. Okay. Okay, members, uh, let's go down to the agenda. Council committee appointment announcements. Does anybody have anything to announce? I see none. AB1234 reporting. Does anybody have anything to report? Okay. Openness and negotiation disclosures. Does anyone have anything to disclose? Councilman Kelmick.
10: I had a meeting with POA. Okay.
5: Yeah, I met with the uh, Firefighter Association last
0: Friday, November 3rd.
40: Um, I met with the Fire Association as well.
0: I also met with the Firefighter Association. Anything else? Okay. City Manager's report, City Manager, Acting City city Manager today, Uh, anything to report?
21: Nothing to report.
0: Okay. All right, members, consent calendar. We're going to items 8 through 25. Does any member want to pull an item? Okay, Councilwoman? I'm
4: gonna pull item
0: 13. 13. Uh, 14. McKinn, 14. Has, yeah, 14 as well. Any others? 10 and 20. 10 and 20. Uh, 17. Hold on, wait. No. Hold on, let me catch up. Whoa. 10. <laughs> 17 and 20. 10. One for and what's your number? 17. 17. And 17. I, I was going to pull
2: 13. And I'd like to pull 24,
0: though. Okay, 13's already been pulled. Yeah, 24. And, and 24 by Burns. And 11. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. <laughs> wood, wow. wood chips? All right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mosier for 11. Anything else? I know. I was going to say the same thing. Okay, so I will clarify for the clerk. So, items 10, 11, 13, 14, 17, 20 and 24 have been pulled. We match. So, uh, we will I will move the remainder of the consent calendar, which is 8, 9, 12, 15, 16, 18, 19, 21, 22, 23 and 25. I move. I second. It's been moved and seconded. Clerk call the roll on those items.
1: Okay, fine. Um, Council Member Kalmek, Aye. Mosier. Aye. Vandermark. Yes. Strickland. Aye. McKeon. Yes. Bolton. Aye. Burns. Aye. I'd just like to, to make a note that item 8 was amended. It was the minutes, so that will show as amended. All right. Perfect. All right. Great.
10: Mr. Mr. Mayor, I, yes. I needed to make an AB1234 disclosure. Okay, don't mind. No, go ahead. Okay.
0: Uh, for the clerk's uh, purposes, AB1234 uh, disclosure from Councilman Kalmyk.
10: Sorry, on um, uh, October 21st, myself, um, Council Member Bolton and Council Member Mosier attended the one-stop shop tour in Riverside. I um, just wanted to make sure that uh, that was that was disclosed. Okay. Uh, uh,
0: 1023.
10: 1023,
1: thank you.
0: Okay, now members, we're on file item number 10, pulled by uh, Councilman Kalmick, uh Councilman, you can open.
10: Thank you. Um, I wanted to pull this item um, just to bring light to, again, the fact that uh, I currently sit on zero boards and commissions uh, available uh, to this community. Um, I have certain expertise in certain items. I have had complaints from residents that uh, folks that are currently sitting as council liaisons um, and board commissioners uh, are showing up late or not attending at all. Um, Meetings have been canceled because of lack of quorum. and uh, yeah, additionally, um, we had the city selection committee meeting uh, last week, and um, my uh, congratulations to Council Member Mosier for uh, being elected to the Orange County um, Human Relations Committee. Uh, I ran for two positions that are, uh, one of them was to uh, effectively sit and represent the city on uh, trying to get our money from uh, the countywide oversight committee, and another is an advisory committee on senior services to help serve, because I don't serve anywhere in the city, um, and our representative, uh, Mr. Burns, uh, voted either not for or against uh, city council members. And to the mayor, I speak through the chair, um, would remind Mr. Burns that he does represent the city of Huntington Beach at these meetings. And showing up in shorts and a t-shirt is embarrassing uh, to the city of Huntington Beach and is a member of the city council. Thank you.
21: Thank you.
2: I'd like to comment on that. I okay. voted appropriately for the best person. And your offense of just showing up. Hustling everybody in the audience.
0: Okay, so uh, <coughs> I, with I have that, a comment. Okay, please. Thank you. Council. Councilwoman.
3: Sure, thank you. Um, I, I also, I'm glad that um, Council Member pulled the item um, just because I think it is important. I just know this was a revised um, list of citizen boards, commissions, and committees appointments. Um, but it, it is unfortunate that there isn't better representation on all of these different boards and committees by all of the council. I think that um, everyone is here, everyone was voted in and or appointed at the appropriate time and is ready to serve. And it makes more sense to have the weight of the time commitment for all of these meetings to be borne by all of the council. And I hope that as we move forward that that is, that there's better representation. also, I am grateful that I was um, appointed to the OC Human Relations Commission by the City Selection Committee, so I did want to make sure that that was added or amended um, on the document as well. Um, I am now serving as the um, first district representative. Um, I, I will also say that um, it's my understanding that um, each of the city Uh, Each of the cities has a representative there generally. It's the mayor or somebody in their steed and it's my understanding That councilmember burns while he did not vote for someone else during my um, Appointment did not vote for me. Um, I I could be wrong, but that's what I understand and it's just unfortunate um, that we don't have support even in a county level where um, you know the city should have representation in every possible space in the county, because our residents deserve that. And I think that the politics should stop at this dais. When we get into the county, we should be able to support one another to be able to stand up for our residents. That's all.
0: Okay, uh, I will move this item, number 10. Do so I hear a second? It's been moved and seconded. Uh, clerk, call the roll. Council
1: Member Kalmak. Aye. Mosher. Vandermark? Yes. Strickland? Aye. McCann? Yes. Bolton? Aye. Burns? Aye. Passes
0: 7-0. Okay, members, now we're going to file item number 11, uh, pulled by Councilwoman Mosier. You have the floor.
3: Thank you. Um, just one as a technicality on this one, um, the letter that's from the city manager, it states um, October 30th, and we haven't voted on it yet, so I didn't know if that was okay for it to be um, predated like that. Um, or if it needs to be updated, I'm not sure. So that's just more of a, just a concern. Does it I, matter?
0: I, I, maybe address it to the city Please. attorney.
3: Does it matter? Because we haven't approved it yet. You
5: can up, we can. We It can be updated with a new date and re-signed. Okay. But you, well, it's all the same.
3: Okay, that's great. Um, and then more importantly, um, I, I am definitely... Uh, in favor of this program um, and just so people get a better understanding um, of what it is. So this is CalOptima's Health Street Medicine Program. um, In the document that's in the agenda, it talks about the program's values and philosophies. And just really briefly, um, the first piece of that. CalOptima Health Street Medicine Program is a critical piece of a larger comprehensive approach to caring for our members living on the street and on their journey home. In addition to being able to provide important preventative services, urgent care, and social services, this program fosters the relationship building that is key to helping a person into a permanent home. Um, and really, I just, um, it, it, it appears that we're, since we weren't pulling it, um, that it's going to proceed, um, which I think is wonderful as it really will help to um, further improve our system of care here in the city of Huntington Beach with regards to homelessness. Um, making sure, and especially the way that this program works, really trying to create rapport, relationships, um, and, and also provide, um, you know, basically a primary care provider relationship to those who are unhoused on our streets, um, re- which will also take that load off of our emergency rooms and our urgent cares and things like that as well. In addition to that, providing the, um, they have a minimum patient encounter with every person enrolled in the program um, of one encounter every 45 days. And for the care coordination team, a minimum of one patient encounter with every person enrolled in the program each week. And we're already doing many things, which includes our homeless task force, our officers, also our social workers, of course, also our navigation center, um, as well as the many services that are provided um, and the supports provided by our faith and um, nonprofit communities here as well. Um, I am excited that we're going to be utilizing a, um, a program that we um, fortunately are not going to have to uh, pay for out of the city's general fund as well that should hopefully help those on the streets to provide um, uh, better services and hopefully get them housed more quickly, which should provide a better quality of life for everyone. So I would like to move the item.
0: I'll second it. Um, clerk, call, please call the roll.
1: Councilmember Member Kalmick. Mosher? Aye. Vandermark? Yes. Strickland. Aye. McKeon. Yes. Bolton. Aye. Burns. Aye. Item pass seven zero. All
0: right, members. We're now on file item number thirteen. Uh Councilwoman Bolton pulled yes. the item. You
4: Thank you, Mayor. Yeah, so um I'm gonna just say that I am gonna Um, ask that we continue this item uh, for further study. I don't oppose the item based on my understanding of the relationship uh, and the practice between the city and the Chamber of Commerce that's taken place over the past several years. Um, So I just wanted to just say that, you know, that's going to be my recommendation because I don't get the sense that residents understand what, um, you know, um, what the practice has been in terms of cooperation between the city and the Chamber of Commerce. The Chamber of Commerce, um, you know, is very important to our businesses, including our small businesses and uh, economic development. And so, you know, the city um, wanting to be supportive of that has been supportive of the Chamber of Commerce for many, many years. But at the same time, I do understand, you know, people's questions um, that they have about the MOU. If I could ask staff to just sure. uh, briefly, I wanted to make sure I understand that what's memorialized in the MOU is in fact what the practice has been um, in terms of the city um, uh, cooperating with the Chamber of Commerce.
44: Good evening Mayor Strickland I'm Chris Casanova the city's economic development manager. Um, What's proposed in the MOU um, is a little above um, what had normally uh, been. We went through um, Uh, Period where we also introduced new events to the chamber and they were kind of coming also out of COVID where they weren't really doing events. Um, So uh, the membership dues, we've not normally been a member um, in paid dues, but we have supported them in other ways where we have um, attended Robert Mayer Leadership Academy and had a lot of city staff from different city departments participate in that program. And we have also purchased tables, you know, at State of the City event as well as at the... Um, mayor's breakfast and um, other events that we've partnered with them on so we have supported them financially um, but it hasn't necessarily been to this amount this MOU would allow for up to seven events um, and it's a swap with us getting that recognition and it also um, is because it's in kinds it's really just waiving that hourly fee so um, we don't expect it to be that that much Um, what's what's
5: the hourly fee what do you mean
44: so for instance if we host an event at the um, senior center it depends on the rooms that they utilize and it depends on the days of the week and it depends on the hours so if we do an event on a Saturday um, where they're gonna use it like on a Saturday night function like the gala um, that would then be at a higher amount because staff's not usually there Um, and so the community facility library services has a different hourly rate, and it also depends on different rooms at different, you know, the library, the senior center. Um, So this just proposes to waive the room rental fees. The chamber would still have to pay for insurance and alcohol, um, security, all those additional expenses so the city wouldn't be on the hook. So for the State of the City event coming up, that event, the city would be waiving approximately $340. It's like a two, two and a half hour event. That morning of, um, versus another event that could be, you know, eight hours because we want people to get in early to decorate their tables like the gala event. Um, and then in exchange, I think that was two thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars value back to the city in terms of recognition where their sponsors typically would buy um, that that recognition. Okay. Okay. So yeah,
4: my. Um,
0: I'm sorry. I, I thought uh, Councilman Burns raised oh, okay. his hand. sorry. Uh, yeah, go I'm ahead. sorry. Mm-hmm. Actually, I, a- I thought you were done. I'm sorry, Councilman. No, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm done, right. That's fine. Go ahead, Councilman,
2: I, I was going to ask to table it myself because I have heard conflicting information, both sides of it, and I'd just like to study the subject a little more before voting.
0: Is there any objection for uh, from anybody for not moving it and getting it studied further? Seeing no objection, we'll we'll do that.
1: Do
4: we need a vote?
10: Make a I mean, hey, Council B- Member motion, Bolton
1: could move, motion. and you could yeah.
0: second.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So continue to so, a
0: okay. date. We'll move in second. It's been moved and seconded. A
4: date
1: uncertain. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. okay. Council Member Kalnick. Aye. Mosier. Aye. Vandermark. Yes. Strickland. Aye. McKeon. Yes. Bolton. Aye. Burns. Aye. Item passes. Thank you. Okay,
0: now, members, we're on uh, file item 14. Uh Councilman McKeon pulled it. Uh Councilman McKeon, the floor is yours.
5: Yes, Sunny, um, do you mind just kind of walking the community through uh, this item?
45: Yes, I'd be happy to do so. Thank you. Good evening Mayor Strickland and City Council members. Tonight we'll be discussing the fiscal year 22-23 year-end budget adjustments for the city's unfunded liabilities as well as our year-end audit entries. So currently the finance department is working on the year-end closing process and with that we have some budget adjustments that are required to close out the year ended June 30, 2023. So we are pleased to note that we are projecting to end the year with a $16.2 million general surplus, which is primarily due to one-time spikes in natural gas prices during the winter of 2022 um, and 23, and increased natural gas and electricity rates due to resulting in higher utility tax and franchise fees, totaling almost $10.1 million, as well as transient occupancy tax revenues above budget at almost $2.1 million and emergency management services revenues at $2.2 million above our original budget numbers. So with this, um, we would like to, Finance is recommending that we take this opportunity to fund the city's unfunded liabilities to align with the city council's strategic plan goal of fiscal stability. So just to provide a quick snapshot of the city's unfunded liability as of June 30, 23, we have a $24.4 million unfunded liability for workers' compensation, $7.2 million unfunded liability for our general liability claims, 8.8 million for our retiree supplemental plan, and 168.3 million for our CalPERS UAL. So this totals 208.7 million. So also just as a reminder, so the fiscal year 2327 strategic plan that was adopted by council on October 3rd includes eight overarching goals to achieve over the next four years, and we do require additional financial resources in order to implement several of these plan goals, which are currently not funded at this time. So below there is, um, on the slide, there is a sample of some of these items, which include one-stop shop, world-class speech facilities, LA-28 as a host city Olympic Village, and public safety infrastructure improvements, just to name a few. So just to provide a summary of our workers' compensation liability, our California work work comp law provides state mandated benefits to employees for work-related illnesses and injuries. So the city is self-insured, up to a million dollars per claim and benefits may include payments for medical treatment, salary continuation, total temporary disability benefits, as well as permanent disability benefits. The $1.3 million increase in work comp liability that um, was incurred during the fiscal year 22-23 was primarily due to claims driven by rising medical costs, as well as an expanded list of injuries that are presumed to be work-related under California law, including post-traumatic stress. So with that, the finance department is recommending that we transfer an additional $1.5 million to the workers' compensation fund to help address these future liabilities as well as to help address um, any future increased premiums that may arise in future years. So with the additional recommended transfer, our funded status would increase from 45% to 48%. So next is general liability. So the city is self-insured up to a $1 million per claim with $25 million in excess coverage per claim or occurrence. So during fiscal year 22-23, we experienced a $7.1 million increase in our general liability claims which was primarily due to liability adjustments made to two large claims. So with that, the finance department is recommending a transfer of $4.5 million, which would increase our funded status from 65% to 87%. So the city's retiree supplemental plan is a supplemental single employer defined benefit plan which is a closed plan for employees that were hired prior to 1997. So this provides an additional retirement benefit, in addition to the benefits from CalPERS. So the investments are held separately in a separate trust and are managed by the city's investment custodian and are subject to the investment policy set by the Supplemental Retirement Trust Board. So with that, our finances recommended transfer is $4.62 million. And this amount is determined by the city's actuary and it's our minimum that's required in order to avoid drawing funds from the trust. So with that, our funded status would increase from 87.9% to almost fully funded at 94.3%. So our final general fund recommendation would be for the central library transformer replacement. So the electrical equipment at the central library failed in April of 23, resulting in the library's temporary closure to staff and patrons. Currently, temporary power is being supplied through rental equipment, while the design for custom-built switchgear and permanent replacement equipment is being ordered and delivered. So staff is still working on the cost for this replacement part. However, the preliminary cost for the replacement and installation of the new transformer is estimated to be at least $2 million. However, due to the increased cost of labor materials, um, we would like to caveat that the final cost may be higher. One thing that I did also just want to note to council is that during fiscal year 22-23, Council authorized the use of 3.2 million in HB recovery funding for emergency repairs, infrastructure cost increases, and unscheduled replacement of park equipment. So in order to preserve the remaining HB recovery balance of $10.9 million, we're recommending that a transfer of $2 million from the general fund to the infrastructure fund um, be made in order to fund the library transformer replacement.
5: Thank you, Senator. I just <clears throat> always think it's important to get these details out in the community and show that we actually ended up with a $16 million surplus this year and actually get the, the budgetary facts um, correct. There's been a lot of statements uh, made that aren't correct. Um, as an example, I was told there was an event last week where you know former elected officials and mayors put out a press release to the media stating that we have a projected budget deficit of $7 million for fiscal year 24-25. And I'm not sure where they are getting that figure um, because that was the original forecast from the budget that was presented on June 1st. Mm -hmm. And after working hard on the budget, we as council members adopted a revised budget in late June that set us on a strong financial path. We're showing a $577,000 surplus in fiscal year 24-25 not a $7 million deficit. And that figure is located right on the city's website, which I would hope former elected officials would know where to find the budget before making such egregious statements like that. And it makes me curious as to what else they stated that was patently false. And then there was a comment tonight that in the next five years, we're looking at $19 million deficits, but if you look on the same budget, we're showing a projected $2 million deficit in year five. So times like this it's important to really walk the community through their, their correct figures and just clarify their records. So I appreciate Sonny walking through the details and showing that we have a $60 million uh, surplus this year. So thank you. Last year, for last year's chewed up 23, 20, uh, 22, 23. Thank you.
0: So I'd like to move file item 14. Do I hear a second? Second. It's been moved, it's been seconded, clerk call the roll.
1: Council Member Kalmyk?
0: Aye.
1: Mosher? Aye. Vandermark? Yes. Strickland.
0: Aye.
1: McKeon. Yes. Bolton. Aye. Burns. Aye. Item passes 7
0: So members, now we're going to file item 17. Uh, Councilman McKeon pulled this item. Uh, Councilman, the uh, floor is yours.
5: Yeah, Chief Haberley, I just thought this would be a good opportunity to uh, have you walk us, the community, through this
22: program and, and the benefits of it. Great, thank you, Councilmember, and uh, Division Chief Lopez uh, is gonna do that for us. He was the, he's the one that worked really hard in the behind the scenes. He, he's the one that investigated the program, worked with CalOptima, and was able to uh, move it forward, so he gets really the credit
46: for doing some incredible work, so he's gonna walk you through it right now. Thank you, Chief. Yeah, thank you. Push the button. Thank you, uh, Chief, and thank you, uh, Honorable Mayor and Council Members. I'm happy to present on the voluntary rate range IGT program through Cal Optima and DHCS. We have an uh, opportunity to participate in this program. The recommendation before you tonight is to authorize uh, the city to sign an agreement with the Department of Healthcare Services with the state of California. And that agreement would then uh, require that we appropriate funds and participate in a funding mechanism to unlock federal matching dollars. And that fund, the funds that we would need to appropriate is $2,282,450. That payment uh, would be made uh, in the month of February, February 16th. And uh, that's on an agreement that uh, should be part of your attachments, the agreement with DHCS that we're looking for. The city was notified earlier this year. Uh, We learned of this program in March, had a meeting with DHCS, another member uh, of our city uh, from the city finance team participated with me in that. We learned then in August that they decided to bring us in and we uh, now have opportunity to participate in a program that for the last 11 years has consisted of five or fewer organizations. It's grown a little bit over those 11 years. And for the past five years, it's included the city of Orange, the city of Newport Beach, uh, a group from the county called First Five. It's uh, included the Orange County Healthcare Agency themselves and then UCI Health. So those five funding entities plus us now make us sixth. And those entities have over that period of time operated uh, in a program where CalOptima partnered with DHCS helps us get additional funding from Medi-Cal, so the whole purpose, there's a whole bunch of words on this slide, but the whole purpose here is to get better reimbursement because Medi-Cal understands that their reimbursement is very low, and so they have multiple different funding mechanisms in play um, at a national level, and here CalOptima has this opportunity for us to where we can get those uh, matching dollars and the dollars come back and are redistributed to those entities that participated in the funding. And uh, the result this year is calculated, calculated at 142% return on investment. So it's really just an, uh, an incredible opportunity for the city to take advantage of um, a funding mechanism that allows us to be better reimbursed for the services we've been delivering. So the steps before us, number one, would be to approve and authorize uh, the execution of this agreement with DHCS. And we would do so and appropriate that $2.28, uh, $2.282 million uh, to be transferred in February. We would transfer those funds, and then we would see a return of funds And it should be about 60 days later. Last year, it took 44 days, 44 days from the transfer to them. And then the transfer back was 44 days later is is what they reported to me. And uh, that would result in a a payment coming back to us in the amount of 5.525810. So it's a $3.24 million net gain of net revenue that is to be treated as uh, EMS revenue, Is services rendered for EMS uh, EMS care given to the Caloptima patients. So uh, we would be able to continue to participate in the future so long as the state and the feds kept the program going and we would be able to participate or not as the council chooses each time we, we have to approve the agreement that we step into each year. Any questions thank you.
0: I'd like to move file item number 17. A second been moved and seconded. Clerk, please call the roll. Just, I oh, I'm to sorry.
10: Go ahead, Council. Thank you, uh, Chief Lopez. That was an excellent presentation, and we have got to find more stuff for you to present because I, that made sense. Because originally, it's we're giving money to somebody, and then we're. It gonna sounds get, crazy. And then we're going to get money, the same money back. It sounds like.
46: Yeah. Like it's 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 a it's a, a mechanism that's commonly used uh, between CalOptima and and others, and so yeah, we're we're able to get the Medi-Cal dollars that come back to us, and it's it's just a matter of the feds. Require a match, and since California doesn't want to pay for it themselves, they let the funding entities, the providers, right. front that money in order to unlock the federal dollars. And everybody, the feds want to give the money, CalOptima wants to get the money, everybody's happy. But it does take us. The statute's written partnering. to have
10: a state match. State doesn't do it, so we're flowing the money up to them. Got Correct. It. That makes a lot of sense. I appreciate it.
46: Thank you. Great. No other questions. It's been they moved and seconded.
1: Okay, Councilmember Calmac. Hi. Mosher? Aye. Vandermark? Yes. Strickland? Aye. McKeon? Yes. Bolton? Aye. Burns? Aye. Item passes
0: 7-0. Okay, uh, members, now we go to file item 20. Uh, Councilman Kalmick pulled the item. Uh, Floor is yours.
10: thank you very much. Uh, I wanted to, if this item uh, so passes tonight, make this the first uh, of uh, hopefully many uh, discussions uh, with the community on this project. This is for a um, sewer uh, line fix. Um, that will require Edinger to be closed for between 16 and 20 weeks and there's a presentation um i believe that staff can run us through but uh, i just want to make folks aware um that there's going to be some construction do you live near there far enough away
47: Good evening, Mayor, members of council. Uh, Tonight, staff is requesting the authorization to award a contract for the Edinger sewer improvements. So this project is currently an eight inch and 12 inch sewer line along Edinger from Gother to Beach Boulevard. We're trying to fix the sag that is along Edinger and is causing a lot of constriction along Edinger, restricting flow. And we want to improve capacity, not only for residents along that area, but also the businesses along Edinger. The project will replace um, eight and 10 inch sewer lines with eight to 15 inch sewers from the railroad tracks just west of Beach to restore capacity. As you can see, we are proposing not only uh, daytime work from 9 to 3 p.m. along the residents so that we don't disturb them at night, we are proposing night work from uh, Shear Lane to Beach Boulevard, and that's along the commercial section of Edinger. So there will be night work. We anticipate traffic delays. So there you have the rendering right there. Here is the budget and schedule. It's 3.6 million. We're requesting a transfer from the Sioux development fee, and that is a legitimate cost because uh, the development has paid into this fund. Uh, the estimated cost is $5 million. We want to start in January 2024. It's about 10 months. So uh, we do expect traffic delay, um, and we are considering that cost as well as part of this project. That is an extra cost. So this project is beneficial um, to our community. It's going to reduce... SSOs, which is uh, sanitary sewer overflows. It's it's sewage breaks. We don't want that to happen. Uh, we want to also prevent grease buildup that's at the sag in the pipe that could cause SSOs. Uh, we provide design capacity for new along Edinger as well. Uh, uh, Councilman Kalmick mentioned outreach and community um, part- uh, community notices for our for the project, we will have advanced warning signs along the corridor letting traffic know that this, co- this construction project is coming ahead. There will be due tour signs. There will be project construction signs posted around the perimeter of this project. There will be a community meeting held, held at Calvary Chapel. It's scheduled for December 1st. We will be providing notices to addresses within 500 feet of this project. So they will be invited prior to any construction start of this project
10: that includes my report thank you Um you said 10 months 10 months the, the slide said 16 to 20 weeks yeah, yeah. I just want to want to know
5: set um, expectations um,
10: yeah yeah and then hope it doesn't rain yeah a lot or, or kind of we hope it does rain I don't know
47: I will clarify that because okay. I I have a notice that says 10 months okay. and the staff report says that. I will clarify that.
10: All right, you. we can get back to us on that. And when we have the, the meeting or, uh, on December 1st, that would be really helpful. Um, yeah, this is one of our, obviously, uh, most complained about corridors, uh, Beach and Edinger, I drive through it daily probably. Um, and if we're gonna, I'm assuming we're gonna go down to, we're gonna lose some lanes while the construction's going on?
47: One lane will be open, at least one lane will be open throughout the entire construction. Okay. On, on Edinger? Yes. Okay.
10: Yeah. And so, yeah, as the 405 project concludes December 1st, we will be picking up and tearing open this street. On January first, roughly. I mean, it's a, it's for repair work, right? Like, it's not like we're just we waited to, we to do want, this. We, we don't want. To do we don't We don't want to do this because it's a gravity sag, right? It the is sewer good. is gravity yes. fed, and and the ground under. Yes. how Hyle, so. Hyle is your friend. Hyle will be yes. Hyle will be your friend, although Hyle doesn't go all the way through. There, I know. So, uh, but the construction project ends before Beach Boulevard, correct? Yes. Okay. So you can. Yeah. yeah. So we'll have detour signs and. Yes. Everyone will figure out what what to do in McFadden. The McFadden Bridge is open, so nice. you can come Looks back. That's good. And, although it's gonna get lights soon, isn't it? McFadden Bridge? Yeah. That won't take lights, it will have lights. Okay, all right, well, thank you very much for the presentation. I'll go ahead and, and move this item. I just wanted folks at home to Second. know that we're gonna be uh, ripping up Edinger for a bit, but for repair work, because we have aging infrastructure in this city, um, and this is one of the things that we've gotta repair. I did note in the presentation that we we're having to move funding away from the PCH restroom sewer lift station project this year, because stuff's getting more expensive.
47: This project got expensive because of the night work that was anticipated as well as inflation. Inflation.
10: So, yes. So
47: The PCH project uh, is started, designed, but construction has not started on that project.
10: Okay, so we're going to punt for that to next year? Yes. Okay. Thank you. It's been moved. It's been seconded. Uh, Clerk, please call the roll.
1: Council Member Kalmak? Aye. Mosher? Aye. Vandermark? Yes. Strickland? Aye. McCann? Yes. Bolton? Aye. Burns? Aye. Item passes seven zero.
0: right, members, we're now on file item number 24, pulled by Councilman Burns. Uh, Councilman, the floor is yours.
2: Yeah, we, this is the second time we've seen this, and I don't feel any more fond of it today than I did back several months ago. It uh, doesn't seem a very prudent use of taxpayer funds with a $383,000 match for a grant of, you know, 383,000 for about a thousand foot path of uh, decomposed granite or wood chips, the wood chip path as I say. And I mean, that's 783 or 786,000, I mean, $786 a foot roughly and i just i think we can do it easily if we get some a beach bulldozer drive it through there (laughs) mow it down we'll do what we have to and then have our tree services dump all their wood chips right on that path or we can probably get the decomposed granite if we chose that route a lot cheaper i mean unless you can tell me how that It just doesn't make sense how a 1,000-foot path is going to be that over three-quarters of a million dollars.
47: So the scope of the project includes minor grading, clearing, grubbing, almost an acre, almost an acre of terrain. So there's compaction of the base, import of 1,800 cubic yards of fill.
5: That's where it gets expensive. Trail,
47: an elevated path trail hedge, trail service, signage. So that's, that's the estimated cost for the scope of work. Uh, it has not been designed, it's not gone out to bid. That is just the current estimate that we have. And the state is, is scrutinizing the application. They saw this, um, the Huntington Beach application, they said, oh, you missed section three. So they're looking at it very carefully because they're seriously considering this application for award.
5: It's the fill that's expensive.
2: I think the whole project's expensive. Yeah. I just, I, I love the nature center. I just, for a nature center pathway, it just seems awfully expensive.
0: I just, it, it amazes me. <laughs> that's all. Any, any other uh, comments from members?
3: Have you been over there to that side of the nature center?
2: Years ago, it hadn't been a while. It's been a while
3: because it's been closed for a while. Yeah, right? that part of it. Um, I did get to take a tour of part of that area, actually, with our uh, former public works director Sean Crumby early on in my um, being on the council. Um, and it's unfortunate that that part of the um, of the Shipley Nature Center can't be used at this point. And I I know it does seem expensive, um, but I think and you kind of commented that we should just be able to kind of get in there and and do it, and I, we can't. I mean, that's why we're trying to propose for this grant. Um, I think it's very important that the um, Shipley Nature Center, um, you know, I was able to go to the Tree Society event on Sunday, and um, <clears throat> we talked there about how all of these different parts of our parks and nature are so important in our nonprofits as well. Um, and this is one of those gems in our community, and it's currently not able to be fully utilized. Um, Because of that particular area around the outside of it. And it's only gonna get worse. So, if we're able to actually utilize funding, um, you know, that's with a match, um, I think that that would be the best case scenario. I don't want it to continue to go and get worse and worse. It's gonna get probably more expensive. Um, And if we're able to, again, get that matching funds, I would definitely support um, moving forward with trying to get that so that way we can make. You know, that's essentially another um, public space, another uh, park space that we want all of our community to be be able to use, um, and they can't right now.
2: Can I ask, Joe? Have you guys looked into bringing over a bulldozer from the city? I know we have them. I see it at the beach and all that. And how difficult would that to just? I mean, I've seen what those things do pretty easily.
47: We've tried to bring heavy equipment to that site, and it sinks. Mm -hmm. The soil's very wet yeah it's it's soft and so heavy equipment would sink yeah yeah so
3: it's a matter of doing this properly which also of course increases the cost of everything Um, but i think that estimate is here they have looked at multiple different ways to approach this in the past Um, and it's uh, it's not just like filling it up and hoping for the best you know you have to have people um, actually do the grading make sure that they understand what's necessary so it no longer sinks Um, so again I think that it's worthwhile Um, from what I believe from the last time we talked about this if we move forward with um, with moving forward on the application um, the state will decide whether or not they want to approve this and we can still at that point make a decision is that correct or we're at the decision point right now
47: we have to come back with the funding grant we have to come back and tell them what the match is right so there is a a two-step process. I this mean, is I, the application.
3: Right.
2: So it'll come back to yes.
3: us. Yes. Yes. Yeah, right, we're not committed to anything. I think it's worthwhile to try to see if we can get the grant and then we can have further conversation at that time.
5: Try to value engineer it later.
3: Yeah. Okay. So I'd make a motion to proceed with it. It's
0: been moved, it's been seconded. Uh, clerk call the roll.
3: Councilmember Member
1: Kalmick. Aye. Mosher. Aye. Vandermark. Yes. Strickland? Aye. McKeon? Yes. Bolton? Aye. Burns? Aye. Item passes seven zero.
0: Okay, members. Uh, my understanding is the clerk, the rest of the items have been pulled?
1: Yes, yeah, so um, we've already taken action on item 26. Mm-hmm. Item 27 we received um, um, a request from our planning department um, that the appellant on that item wanted to continue right. to the November 21st meeting, so we mm-hmm. can do that. We don't need to vote on that. And the last item Wait, has been we, withdrawn. No, by, and,
10: uh, do we have to make a motion to continue the item?
1: Uh, the uh, sober living uh, item. The, administrative the living item. I, I, I consulted with the attorney earlier, and he didn't think that we needed to vote on that.
5: To continue the continued item? Um, I think, for noticing purposes, it it
0: would be and due process purposes, be best if we okay. It doesn't hurt. I'll move.
1: I don't the, think we, it hurts. Yeah. Uh, it
0: doesn't hurt. I'll just to be safe. It's been moved to second. And clerk, call the roll.
1: Okay, to uh, November 21st. Correct. All right. Uh, Council Member Kalmick. aye. Mosher, aye. Vandermark, yes. Strickland, aye. McKeon, yes. Bolton, aye. Burns. Aye. All right.
0: And then 28. We're good.
1: 28 were good because staff withdrew that. It's not ready for presentation.
0: So I will take, I'll move that we adjourn. Second. It's been moved, it's been seconded, and we are now adjourned.